around the corner thanksgiving over 631-672-3108 is the number to call you are listening to the sports loudmouth check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com speedy peedy what's up man well i'd like to dedicate my show uh, to my grandfather that passed away last year uh it's a one year since his uh, his passing December 1st, a rough day in our family, especially on my dad's side, too. So uh, doing this show and all my shows in honor of him tonight. Well, I loved your grandfather. He was a great person, very nice to me, and a big sports fan. And he will be missed, as always. Uh, very, very kind and collective guy who knew his sports. So uh, a guy that was very proud of you, of all the yes. hard work and dedication that you put into this, and, and really your career, and uh, uh, you're moving on, and I believe you'll be very successful moving forward in your career. So uh, may he rest in peace, uh, yes. good old grandpa. Thank you. Uh, 9.30, we'll be talking to NFL Network newsroom ticker operator and writer Brendan Walker, he's been on our show uh, one time uh, about a year ago, and uh, he loved coming on the show, and he's going to be showing up and giving us his take on what's going on in the NFL so far uh, this season. Uh, At 10 o'clock, we will be speaking to our very good friend, uh, a guy that doesn't need any applause. We will be talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst, Pete Bursick. And I'll tell you this right now. Pete has a lot of explaining to do, and we will get into it when he gets on the show, uh, when he, he approaches and appears on the show at 10 o'clock. Oh, I'm sure he's ready to ruffle your feathers. <laughs> I'm sure he is, as uh, the New York Jets have a chance to really ruffle his on Sunday. So I'm excited to have Pete on the show. Uh, he will be analyzing it live and in color on TV and on radio on Sunday, so that'll be fun. Um, we're going to get into Odell Beckham. As he is down to three teams, the Giants, which he visited the other day, the Bills, and the Cowboys. And he already came out and said he is not working out for any of them. So uh, they're just going to have to trust that his leg is 100%. So uh, it's very interesting, and it's down to three teams. And uh, he'll probably make a decision sometime at the end of the week. LeBron James attacks Jerry Jones' segregation photo from about 60 years ago. LeBron James, who, you know, has nothing to say about Kyrie Irving, his anti-Semitic thoughts, but obviously has something to do and something to argue about. Um, Jerry Jones and his uh, segregation when he was 14 years old. Uh, a photo with him. You know, obviously, he was raised differently at that time. It's a different world. And I don't believe Jerry Jones believes in that whole segregation thing 
now that he is owning a team and uh, obviously is behind everything that happened with Black Lives Matter. So I, I, I don't understand how LeBron James wants to put his two cents into a photo that is about 60 years old, but we'll get into that. Uh, Yankees and Giants, 50-50 on obviously landing Aaron Judge. So it's it's really down to these two teams, the Giants and the Yankees. So we'll get into that. Sean Payton predicts a huge change in the NFL draft system in the very near future. So Sean Payton was on a podcast uh, last night or yesterday and and spoke about uh, his thoughts on the way the NFL will be going when it comes to the NFL draft in very, very near future, in a very, very near future. And uh, Antonio Brown refusing to leave his home as a police as the police attempt to serve him arrest warrant papers for domestic violence. So Antonio Brown, of course, is in the tabloids, as always, and uh, it just keeps on taking. So why don't we get into Antonio Brown? Because this is a story that just intrigues everybody. And the reason why it intrigues and you know everything that Antonio Brown has done over the years is because this guy doesn't like to get out of the spotlight. Everything this man does has something to do with either the tabloids, something to do with the newspapers, stories. I, I don't know if he has brain trauma, CTE, for all those hits he, he had over the years playing football. I don't know. And I'm not going to assume anything that I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I I am in the medical field in some, in some you know, understanding, but I, I am not a doctor or nurse. But this story is definitely going to grow legs. As everybody knows, his final game on a football field was at MetLife Stadium when he decided, because he told his coach, supposedly, that he wasn't 100%, that he does not want to get back on the field. Bruce Arians screamed at him and said, either you get back on the field or you will never step on this field again as long as I'm the head coach of this team. And what happens? He decides to (laughs) obviously take off his, you know, his pads, his jersey, and practically strip and run off MetLife Stadium, uh, uh, run off the MetLife Stadium field with practically nothing on besides his, his pants. And then... He speaks out on, obviously, different shows, sports shows, HBO, taking shots at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, wanting to sue the Buccaneers, and then wanting to sue the NFL. Obviously didn't win. Then the stories coming out that he was sleeping with prostitutes and strippers, and uh, there's video, and he posted all over social media. And now this, Antonio Brown refusing to leave his home as the police attempt to serve an arrest warrant for domestic violence. And I'll read this story quickly because uh, there's not much about it. Nobody knows, and I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, he's still in his home. He wasn't arrested yet. What is the police going to do? Are they going to kick down the door and arrest this guy? Things are getting crazy in the case of Antonio Brown. As it reports indicated, he is refusing to leave his house as Tampa police attempt to serve him arrest an arrest warrant. According to Fox 13 in Tampa, the whiteout has been locked up in South Tampa home while the Tampa Bay police 
department wait outside and attempt to serve arrest, an arrest warrant for domestic violence. ABC Action News is also on the scene, and they've reported that the police have attempted to use a megaphone to get Antonio Brown out of the house. They have also called AB's attorney and informed the troubled wideout <laughs> that they're uh, there is not going. They're not going anywhere so far, and none of it is worked. None of it has worked. So what we understand right now with Antonio Brown is the man is out of control. The man thinks or has decided that he wanted to lock himself into the house because he believes he is not at fault for this domestic violent dispute and this arrest arrest warrant. I have no idea what how this story begun or how it's going to end. What I do know is something is majorly wrong with this guy. Something is not ticking in this guy's brain. Something hasn't ticked in this guy's brain for the last couple of years. This guy was one of the great wide receivers in the last 10 years. There might have been two or three wideouts that you can compare to his skill and his ability over the last 10 years. And practically half of them are going, or all of them, are going to the Hall of Fame, besides this one. Yep. This guy is out of control, absolutely insane, has been hit way too much in the head. He attacked Tom Brady over the last couple of months. Attacking him with his wife. He was sending pictures, taking pictures of naked, naked pictures. I'm sorry. He has pictures of his wife naked. He was posting on Twitter. I mean, this man, hasn't he done enough? Hasn't he ruined other people's lives enough? This guy, I, I think it was last summer, rented a house. I don't remember where. And completely demolished the house that he had to buy it. He had to actually pay the owners for the house that he absolutely destructed, self-destructed, by him and his his entourage. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think that was in Miami. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Did that go along with uh, already this issue, which now there's police are searching for guns in his house, too. This is not I mean, <laughs> this guy is so out of control. I mean, every single week, every single month, <laughs> there's a story after a story after a story. About this guy. This is stemming all from five years, too. Ever since that 2018, the end of that 2018 season. Don't forget, he skipped that that game when he was like a, he didn't show up to practice against the Saints. It was a big game at the end of the year, at the end of the 2018 season. Mike Tomlin suspended him. 2019, there was the whole, I didn't want to be traded to the Bills debacle. Then he gets traded to the Raiders, uh, takes shots at Mike Mayock, uh, John Gruden and all that stuff. And then, then there was the whole Patriots saga. And then there was the Tom Brady issues last year, the Buccaneers, all that. I mean, just think about it. Just think about it. Just think about it here. If you look at this guy, and, and like I said, he was one of the best wide receivers in the last 10 years. And we're not looking at his career and what he's done on the field. We're looking at him off the field. How about the different 
social medias that he was posting in the locker room, getting himself in trouble with the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. One of the reasons why the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers decided to part ways with him because of the whole TikTok slash, uh, I don't know, Instagram crap in the playoffs that he was posting. Yeah, that was Facebook Live when Facebook Live first came out. And they were trying to rattle the Patriots. Meanwhile, you don't want to give that kind of target to Bill Belichick. And then... You look at who he is as a person, and obviously the man doesn't know if he's if he's alive or dead. I, I, I don't know how you can compare Antonio Brown to any player we've ever seen in the NFL, honestly. And I, I do believe he has a lot of head trauma, and I do believe uh, when when they investigate all these different things that he has been going through over the last couple of years, and maybe he'll do something even more crazier, hopefully not, which will get him thrown into jail or something of that magnitude, then we'll realize we, we, we all remember the Aaron Hernandez thing and what a sad situation that was with the, the New England Patriots <coughs> and uh, the, the facts and, and all the stories coming out after he hung himself in jail and, and he lost his life after killing possibly three people, not, not one, but three people, two that he was not uh, obviously convicted for. Right. But the one was Lloyd. Lloyd, Odom Lloyd. O- Odom Lloyd, who, who was murdered by him, and that was one of his good friends, and his uh, fiance's sister's boyfriend. And then you've heard the stories, and they, they obviously investigated the CTE problems, and they investigated his brain, and they saw that this man had practically half a brain by the time he was in his like fourth year of playing football. The kid was what? 25, 26 years old when he lost his life. And he had he had a, a very high, I, I think, uh, what do they call it, grade one when it came to CTE problems yeah. in his brain. And what Jeff was saying a couple of years ago when this all came out, he said it was the most severe case they ever found. It wasn't grade one. I'm sorry. It's grade four. Yeah. They, they, they graded uh, higher to lower. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. But he, remember, Jeff was saying it was the most severe case they found in any player. Even some of the older ones that were investigated, and when concussion came out in the movie, even Mike Webster and those guys, Aaron Hernandez was even more severe. Now, I, again, he when he when he died, he died later in that whole process because he yep. was in jail too. So it didn't come as suddenly as something like Mike Webster, who died in uh, two thousand one. He was trying to make sure that. that his wife or his fiance and his daughter. We're going to get the money Correct. that the Patriots were going to give him, and the only way they were going to get it if he was dead. Yeah, and um, obviously the Patriots tried, obviously figured out a way to get out of that. But uh, so his death really didn't help the situation for what it was. But that's a whole nother story. This Antonio Brown thing is just so astonishing, so crazy, so weird. I can't explain it. I don't know what to say about this guy. I feel bad for him. I really do because as good of a player that he is, I've heard throughout the grapevine and some players that we've interviewed over the last couple of years say that Antonio Brown is a nice guy. He is a good-hearted soul. But ever since he became that superstar, and maybe it was the uh, perfect hit in the playoffs where he got knocked the hell out, where he was, he he claimed he saw birdies flying over his head. 
Maybe that was the hit that really self-destructed who he is as a player off the field. Then again, Vontaze Burford also said that Antonio Brown was doing an acting job when he got that hit. So I don't know how much you could necessarily trust him. Oh, he hit him. <laughs> His sources. No, no, I'm not saying it was a clean hit. I'm just saying there, like, you hit him hard enough where it, like they, I think they said Brown gave him a thumbs up or something like he that. He hit him like, hard, I know. I, I know. That was a hard hit. I no, remember no, that. Yeah, of course. You, I, you heard the, the bang when he hit him, and that was a – a cheap shot by Vontae oh, Perfect. Without, without question. But nevertheless, I remember that. I remember that hit. And I, I remember a lot of different hits that uh, he obviously uh, got torn up on the field because of. But again, we we don't know the truth. We don't know what's going on in his head. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors with his family life. I don't know. And, and it seems like he loves being in front of the cameras. He loves being on the radio. He loves being in the tabloids. And it doesn't really help him. Speaking out on Tom Brady, one of the more respectable players in the NFL, one of the guys that people look up to, some people call the GOAT. When you speak out and you're attacking a guy that already is dealing with enough stuff on and off the field with his wife, his kids, and his career – Nobody wants to hear what you have to say, especially when you are a guy that doesn't have such a clean background off the field. Right. And you would think if he knew about that kind of thing, you would try to do something else and try to be more positive about that. And uh, no, he's just doing other weird things. It's an embarrassment. It's like the sixth time in the last six years we've seen some kind of incident with him. Again, Four different teams already now that have been the case, including a team in the Buffalo Bills that didn't even get traded to because he didn't want to play there. And then the whole Raiders debacle, the Buccaneers debacle, like they all have just sour endings. And the Steelers, think about that. They were in a playoff race, and he decided not to play against the Saints, a good team, in a Week uh, week 16 game. I I can't sit here and make any excuses for this guy. I I can't. And as, again, going back to his past and what he has done on the field – He was a fantastic talent. He really was. And for anybody to sit here and deny that, he is a borderline Hall of Famer. But for everything that's happened on and off the field, not playing football, you have to look at it. And I and I believe the committee is going to look at it. And he's he's never going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because of it. We've seen this with Terrell Owens, uh, and Terrell Owens wasn't a first ballot Hall of Fame, and that pissed him off. He doesn't show up the second year where he gets inducted to the Hall of Fame. Randy Moss, where a lot of people thought was not going to be a first uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, he he becomes a first ballot Hall of Famer, and then T.O. was obviously upset about that because he thought he was a better player, which he was. I thought he was too. Yeah. And now this. Antonio Brown, I wouldn't say is in the same boat as a Terrell Owens, but he's very close to Randy Moss. His numbers are very close to Randy Moss's. That's how good Antonio Brown was. For a seven, eight-year span, I would say five out of those seven or eight years, he was the best wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, probably 2012 to 2017 was that. That was to the peak of him. 2010, 2011, it took him a while to get going because he was kind of a third receiver, second receiver type when they uh, they still had Mike Wallace there and guys like that. But yeah, those, those five years, so six years, he was probably he was the best statistical receiver. Skill-wise, you could probably argue Julio Jones and Calvin Johnson too. And guys Just like think that. about but, this, Speedy. Yeah. Just think about this. For all the good things he's done on the field, I think I've remembered more of the bad things he's done off the field. Yeah, of course. So he has done so many great things on the field but I forget all about those things because it's a complete disaster off the field for this guy. Everywhere he goes, everything he does, every person he hangs out with, 
the people that he puts himself around, not his family, his his friends, his his clan, or whatever the hell he calls them. They're an absolute embarrassment, and he is an absolute embarrassment embarrassment to the league, his teammates, and everybody that rooted for him, everybody that thought he was going to be a Hall of Fame talent. And I'm telling you, Mike Tomlin, who is very well respect, very well respected around the league, I'm surprised Mike Tomlin isn't reaching out to this guy and trying to help him. I know he's got his own team to worry about right now, uh, but this is a guy that raised Antonio Brown. He was there from the beginning. He helped this kid grow, helped this kid develop into the player that he is, and he, he's all about you know team concepts. And, and Antonio Brown, as much as he ran himself out of Pittsburgh, was very loved by Mike Tomlin. So I'm very surprised Mike Tomlin, after hearing this and hearing all these crazy stories with the strippers and uh, porno stars and all the crazy stuff, and, and then taking shots at Tom Brady after over and over and over again. What did Tom Brady do to Antonio Brown? I mean, seriously. He's the only reason why he got another job in Tampa. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was Tom Brady. Tom Brady talked and spoke to Bruce Arians and told him, please, let this guy, you know, let this guy make this team. Bring him back, you know, into the NFL. And I, I'm going to you know, transition this team into that Super Bowl contender. We need players like Antonio Brown. But, of course, Antonio Brown, over the last three years, has been an absolute embarrassment. Yeah, you actually you forgot. You may, I, I want to apologize to all the fans. I, I ha- I'm a little congested, so I am coughing a little bit, but I'm trying to keep my throat at least a little bit wet so I can get through this three-hour show and uh, give you a great show, and, and we have a great show lined up for you guys, but go ahead. Spence. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I forgot about the Bruce Arians thing, too. Remember, he after he stormed off the field against the Jets, too. He was also saying, oh, Bruce Arians wouldn't let me take this, and the doctors wouldn't let me take this uh, this medication that they either didn't have or didn't exist. We believed him for a while, but then they found out he was making it up, and there was that whole saga, too. So that's like seven different things in a span of six years that, that, uh, that Brown has been involved in. And then there's Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is a guy that I believe can change one of these three these three organizations moving forward for the rest of the season. I think he fits best with the Giants. The Giants need a, a number one wide receiver. Adding a, a wide receiver this caliber balances balance out the balances out the offense from Saquon Barkley, and then you add a, a weapon like this. It will open up the field. It'll maybe open up the field more for Saquon Barkley to be more of that power back that he wants to be, not more of that finesse. Uh, I'm going to pitch him, you know, pitch him the ball on the outside where he's going to have to run and, and put himself at risk to hurt himself or his hamstrings or his his quads. I think bring, bringing Odell Beckham will also open up the offense for guys like Slayton, who is Darius Slayton has turned into a pretty good player for the Giants. I don't think he's a number one. He's a pretty good number two. So you bring Odell Beckham, that will open up the offense. It will help Daniel Jones out. It'll take pressure off the offensive line. It makes a lot of sense for the Giants. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for Odell, too, because if he wants to get another contract, that's a pretty good contract. He's not going to get something like massive. He might get $15 million a year or something like that for the, for three more years because he's an older receiver. But if he wants to get another good contract, you want to be able to show yourself as a number one receiver, too, which the Giants give you the best chance to do that because Darius Slayton's their next best receiver. And, yeah, like you were saying, he's like probably a okay, too, at best. And he's better in the slot, too. So Odell could play in the outside. Then there's the Bills. And we look at the Bills, and obviously Diggs, Davis, 
They have no running game. They depend too much on Josh Allen's arm or his legs when he moves outside of the pocket. The offensive line is banged up. The defensive line is banged up. Von Miller came back tonight. They're playing against the Patriots. This is a big game for both teams. They're one of the worst red zone teams so far in the last six games of this season. You're talking about Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Davis. Gabe Davis, who's very, he's a very good player. Last year was one of the best red zone players in the league. This year, not quite. Diggs is only, he's really been the only decent red zone player besides Knox on this team. So adding Odell Beckham, who's a great red zone player. Last year you saw him with the Rams. You saw him in the Super Bowl. You saw him when he obviously was traded to the Rams. You look at the big picture right now, it makes a lot of sense for Odell Beckham to go to the Bills too. I mean, look, look how much it opened up for Cop too, in those playoffs. Look, imagine what it could do for Diggs, too. Uh, as I have said, in the last six games of this season, the Bills are the worst red zone team in the league in the last six games. That's not good. For, for a talented defense and a talented offense of the Buffalo Bills, the favorites are coming out of the AFC before the season started. Everybody had the Buffalo Bills, including yours truly. I believe that this team had everything. But this year, they haven't had that red zone stopper. They haven't had that red zone guy that can absolutely stick it down every team's throats. And bringing Odell Beckham in, that gives him that talent. That gives him that beast of a man in that red zone. And then the Dallas Cowboys, or what we say, the Dallas Cowgirls. (laughs) A team that has tremendous talent. Pollard and Zeke have been a great duo. They really have. This year, they've been one of the best duos in the NFL if they could stay on the field together. Zeke hasn't been healthy, really, for at least four games this year. But when he is on the field, he's electrifying. Pollard has been great. The offensive line has been a lot better than anybody thought with all the injuries that they've had and and the losses that they had in the offseason and free agency. Their defense is, if not... The best defense in the league. It's a top three defense in every single category. It is elite. And Dak Prescott, better than Cooper. Uh, Yes, Cooper (laughs) Rush. He has been efficient and helped this team grow in the last couple of weeks. Adding Odell Beckham to that wide receiving core with, obviously, Gallup and CeeDee Lamb would be absolutely explosive. And and we'll give the Cowboys that lift where people are going to say, being that there's five games left of the season before the playoffs, they could be a Super Bowl contender with Odell Beckham as their number one guy. And Mike McCarthy's done a great job throughout his career with three receiver sets too. So you had Odell who could move in the slot and outside as well. It makes a lot of sense. It really does. Where do I think he's going? I think it's either the Cowboys or the Giants. I can't see the Bills. As much as I think he fits the best with the Bills, because if the, if the Bills add Odell Beckham, I, I think it's signed, sealed, and delivered that they're going to the AFC title game. 
even without a running game. You can do so many things with Odell Beckham. You can use him as a, a running back in a package. You could do so many things with him because of his speed and his ability to run different routes. So I, I, it makes a lot of sense. But I, I don't think the Bills are going to really bite on this. I think it's the Cowboys or the Giants. More than likely the Cowboys. Um, I know he loves the Giants. I know he loves the Giant fans. He never wanted to leave the New York Giants. It was all Dave Gettleman. But um, I think in the end, Jerry Jones is going to give him the better extension. He's going to give him more money. And uh, obviously, Jerry likes to look at that shiny, uh, yep. shiny little penny. That's right. And that is Odell Beckham. When we come back, we'll be talking to NFL Network's new room, newsroom ticker operator and writer, Brandon I'm sorry, Brendan Walker here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, and you are listening to the Sports Loud Mounts. 631 672. 3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. You could be listening to the Sports Loudmouths every Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesdays at 7 p.m., Thursdays at 9 p.m. It's a three-hour show. We get great guests, great different personalities that come on the show, and uh, really great content in all the shows. Trey, obviously the wise guys that was on before us. We have you know a Buffalo Bills show, a Jets show. We have an MMA show. We've had, we have all shows throughout the country on this network. We are one of the first digital profile networks that have been around. We've been around for almost nine Nine years now. And uh, we'd like to thank all the fans that support everything that we do and moving forward for what we do here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we have our guest. He's been on our show before. We loved him the last time. And why not bring him on again? We are now talking to NFL Network newsroom ticker operator and writer, Brendan Walker. Brandon, what's up, man? Hey, how are you guys doing? Can you guys hear me all right? Is the audio good? We hear you. You sound great. How are you feeling uh, since the last time you've been on a show? Uh, I'm feeling great, man. I'm kind of just like you. I got over some sickness yeah. uh, last week. So I'm kind of just in the uh, – I don't have any allergies, but it feels like it just kind of my nose. And then just I can't get rid of all of it. I can't get rid of this cough. I mean, mm. I'm feeling better. I've been sneezing a little bit, a little bit of allergies. But for some reason, I can't get rid of this cough. Everybody says, well, you could have had COVID. I didn't have COVID. I've I took how many tests? Four or five tests. I'm fine. But I, I had a cold, which then got into my my lungs, which eventually became a cough and congestion. And uh, I haven't been the same. But I'm fighting it, and I'm still giving you guys a show. So uh, just bear with me. I'm trying to keep my uh, throat wet, uh, if that sounds right on radio. But uh, I'm just trying to get through the show as always. But uh, why don't we get into it? Uh, this whole Antonio Brown thing is so interesting, and it, it becomes such a mishmash. And I, it's such a weird, you know, that the way I present it, it's a mishmash because I don't know if his his brain is categorized or it, it's not ticking right. This man has done so many weird things on and off the field. He, he really has. He's a fantastic talent. I, I mean, this guy is a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he'll ever get into the Hall of Fame because I don't know what. 
a committee is going to vote this crazy, you know what, in the Hall of Fame for all the stupid things he's done on and off the field. But now you're hearing this. I, I, I mean, what more do you need to hear with this guy? Does he need to be thrown into jail? Does somebody need to, you know, strap him up to uh, – a chair and and feed him something or feed him some pills to calm this guy down because this guy is just uncontrollable, Brendan. What are your thoughts to this story? Uh, yeah, I heard a little bit about you guys talking about him just uh, earlier. And, uh, dude, this guy, I mean, Antonio Brown, like you said, he, he's been one of the best wide receivers in the past decade. And everything that he's gone through, I'm surprised there just isn't, I can't help but feel bad because I, I don't know if there's like anybody reaching out to him or if he has help or if he doesn't want help, you know, uh, whatever he's going through. Um, and it, dude, you just mentioned the hall of fame. I mean, in terms of the hall of fame, like T.O. <laughs> T.O. didn't get in because people didn't like his personality. If, if that's the case and we're, and we're comparing them to each other, uh, I don't think Antonio Brown would ever get in based on that, you know, category um I, I i don't i see what's going on in the news i do feel bad for him it's just kind of like it's a little bit out of my thing because at work we see it happening but like we're not really reporting on it just because it's, it's just kind of like a it's a sensitive topic mm. but we do like he is he is a former player so we kind of have to uh look on it uh, in my opinion i think he's uh, gone through it and the vontes perfect thing is for sure one of the th- one of the main things people like point towards is like the cause of it all. It could have been that. It could have just been a build up. Nothing, you know, nothing. Everything's like a question mark, really. But I, I don't know. Antonio Brown. I feel bad for him, man. Hopefully he recovers. But wild stuff going on in the news right now. So one thing I know you guys have been definitely tracking at NFL Network is where Odell Beckham is going to go. And we just listed the three teams he's been visiting. He visited the Giants today, and then the Bills he'll go to tomorrow. So uh, what? Where do you think he'll end up going, and where do you think he'll be the best fit for him? I know you're an Eagles fan, so I don't. I know you're not going to want them in the NFC East. But where do you think he ends up going? Um, personally, if I had to pick between the three teams, I think he's going to. Uh, I would say the Cowboys. I think it fits him uh his his lifestyle the most. I think the Bills would probably be the best team and probably the best overall talent uh to get him a, a legacy ring, which is what he's all about, legacy. But if he if he went to Dallas, it's kind of a perfect fit. I don't think he likes playing in cold weather. I think, you know, he was with the Giants, but he he's been he moved to you know he's in he was in LA. He won a ring with LA. I think he's more of like the star type of player. Uh, I know Vaughn's heavily recruiting him to to the Bills. I think I think the Cowboys would be like his thing to just go there. You know, Amari Amari Cooper is gone. He can kind of fit that role in a sense and, and become an actual star. Not to do a play on words with Dallas. <laughs> we are talking to NFL Network newsroom ticker operator and writer Brendan Walker. The Jets are a team that everybody is talking about, uh, and you, you look at. Obviously, Zach Wilson, um, you saw his face on the sideline on Sunday. Uh, you know, Mike White's becoming uh, now again a superstar for the New York Jets. It seemed like uh, it seems like this team really is backing him up. Uh, they're all for this kid. They want this kid to be their starting quarterback. Zach Wilson lost his job in one week because he, he didn't take responsibility for the loss when he lost against New England Patriots in New England. Now, you look at the big picture now, Brandon, 
You look at the Jets. If they go into Minnesota this week, which a lot of people have them winning, if they go into Minnesota and knock off this pretty good, and I say pretty good because even though they're 9-2, who have they beaten? And, and really, in the division that they're in, are you really taking them seriously yet? But if they go into Minnesota and knock off the Vikings – and, and, and Mike White is a guy that throws two to three touchdowns, you know, close to 300 yards. Uh, you That might be the end of Zach Wilson and his existence with the New York Jets. What are your thoughts to that? I think Mike White is actually incredible. Uh, I think he's done really well in the position that he's in. Last year, he took advantage of the opportunity. He beat the Bengals. This is kind of the same situation where he's beating – he might go into Minnesota, beat a good team on paper – and, and, you know, kind of finished the way he kind of got injured. And so his, his, his reign was stopped last year because of that. Uh, but he's back and he's, he's, he's not, to, you know, I'm still on fire with the joke. He's white hot right now. <laughs> he, he, I he's like going that. crazy. He's white hot. Yeah. He's white hot. Um, the locker room loves him. Mm-hmm. What's being reported and what's being behind the scenes. Everybody loves the dude. Meanwhile, everybody's dogging on Zach, you know, for his demeanor uh, in the locker room. And, and if if the Jets went into Minnesota, if they beat the Vikings, I would say it's probably because of the defense, because they would hold that Vikings offense in check. But more so, you know, if White got in there, did his thing, that would be – I would I, – personally, I'd be shocked because the Jets really? are a team I'm not super confident in. Yeah. And I know the Vikings on paper, the schedule-wise, and the top dogs don't play each other all the time. But I, I think the Jets would make a statement, rather, uh, that game if they beat the – if they beat the Vikings. Vikings are doing just fine, except for the NFC East. <laughs> the, the three worst games of the season have come there. So uh, another guy that's been disgruntled with the Jets that came out uh, late last night was James Robinson, who was a healthy scratch in the game mm. against the Bears. It was very surprising. They make a trade for him. They trade a fifth-round pick away that, or a sixth-round pick that could become a fifth. So are you surprised that they didn't give him that kind of chance with now Brees Hall being hurt and all the other injuries they've had and the controversy with Zach Wilson, too? I think with what everything they've been dealing with so far, it was more so like a, uh, hey, we believe in this guy, like they believed in White, and they just kind of stuck with it. I don't think it was anything like towards James Robinson, really. I think he just got the bad draw, you know, bad stick, and, and gave Michael Carter all the way. And I think, the, I think the team's just doing fine without him, really. Like they made the trade for him to be the guy, to be the replacement, but I don't think anybody could replace Brees Hall's talent personally i just i think mike white replacing zach wilson has made an effect but running back wise i think they're fine with the committee they got they're fine with the other other pieces around them i think they'll be just fine and 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 what's so interesting about that is they gave bam knight an opportunity and a lot of people like bam uh in the preseason a lot of people thought he was the best running back out of all of them Brees hall and and michael carter in the preseason a little bit that we saw bam and then he he went through waivers the jets got him back they put him on uh, as a red shirt, as a practice squad player, he's played so well in the practices. And they say, you know what? We're going to give you a shot. James Robinson needs to still learn the offense. the offense, and, and they gave Bam an opportunity on Sunday. He ran the ball very well. He ran it over 60 yards. I uh, caught the ball for a little bit of, over 30-some-odd yards. He was very efficient. And I, I still think James Robinson, he is definitely going to suit up this week because of Michael Carter's injury, the high ankle sprain. He could be out a couple of weeks. Uh, they're definitely going to make sure that Michael Carter is healthy for the playoffs. But Bam, he's an efficient running back and and, and definitely a weapon and, and a weapon that Jets control. And even next year, if they decide to part ways with James, 
Bam is an absolute beast of a man, and I think he can absolutely be a starting running back in the NFL if some team gives him a chance. So I love the move with Robert Sala. Robert Sala has taken a lot of chances. He's been taking receipts, and his receipts have been right. Everything that he's done has been right. Michael, Michael, Mike White coming in over Zach Wilson was a right move. Uh, Michael Carter being hurt, bringing in Bam over James, I, I think it was a good move. A lot of the moves that he has made, making Max Mitchell his starting right tackle before he got hurt was the right move after George Font. And everything that's been falling and fitting together has been the right move for the New York Jets. We are talking to NFL Network newsroom ticker operator and writer Brendan Walker. So the New York Giants, and, and I'll sit here, and I, I think they're – it's like a wave, okay? If you were surfing a big wave right now, you, you, sometimes you hit that wave and you just you, – you, you flatline, you fall off that wave. <laughs> and right now, the New York Giants have fallen – and they flatlined on that wave. And they haven't played well in the last couple of weeks. A lot of people want to point fingers at the quarterback play. I don't believe it's the quarterback. They have no weapons to throw out. They have a bunch of guys. Who are they? I mean, uh, they lose Robinson for the season. He was a second-round draft pick. So overrated. Uh, they overplayed Kenny. They overpaid Kenny Galladay. Thank you, Gettleman. He's gone, and Kenny Galladay hasn't stepped on the field uh, since Dable has taken over. And, and 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 yes, Slayton has become a good player, but he is not an elite player. He's not a number one. He's more of a number two, number three. They've got nothing. All they've got is a healthy Saquon Barkley. That is it. So. What is it with this team? Is is Dable really that good of a coach? Does this team still have a chance of making the playoffs, even with the injuries that they have? And by the way, no receivers to throw at? I think what you're heading towards saying is that the Giants are an average team. Riding on the high at the beginning of the season, favorite schedule, as does the rest of the NFC East. But, but people were high. Like on Brian, D- Brian Dable, he's leading the team, he's leading the charge, you know, new head coach, all that stuff. Uh, and then they've fallen off. And I think it's because of the lack of talent. You're listing the wide receiver core. It's just not elite. Uh, I think they're just very average on defense, too. Like, people will make plays every now and then, but it's kind of – this team's kind of like a flip of the coin. Like, they're either going <laughs> to be great, and right now they're in the sixth spot, but the commanders are rising up against them, and they're hot. Giants need to step it up. Taylor Henneke, baby. It is all about the Hankster. That's what I'm talking about. It's not Carlson Wentz. It's not the commanders in their stupidity of names that they put out there. No, 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 no. It is Taylor Henneke. Who would have thought that Taylor Henneke has become an overnight superstar? I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I I have lost my mind. But Taylor Henneke has not lost a game since he's taken over for the last couple of weeks. So it's been unbelievable. He, he, he's he been sensational. And, and and the numbers don't really stick out. It really doesn't. I don't think his numbers are like 213 yards, 198. It's it's not something. It's, but the team tr- believes in him. The, the team trusts in him. And I think he's the starting quarterback moving forward for this team. And if somehow they could sneak into the playoffs again like they did, I don't know, last year, uh, it would be pretty amazing. It really would. If, if they don't give him the shot now, I don't know when they ever will, honestly. 
So let's go to Carson Wentz's uh, former team, your Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, mm. 10 and 1 right now. Best My record. second team, baby. Uh, er, yeah, Errol's second, second, Errol well, second I'm, team I'm, as well. I'm a Donovan McNabb fan. Um, I hung out with him in Miami for the Super Bowl. Uh, he, so I, over the years, I'm a Jet fan, and everybody knows I'm a Jet fan, but I, I, I have been so hard on the Jets. Uh, they never make the playoffs, and they never made the playoffs when Donovan McNabb was playing in the league. So my second favorite team was the the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they never won. At least I had the experience. I mean, they made six straight NFC championship games. That, and yeah. they went to a Super Bowl. Yeah. They did lose against the Patriots, which uh, really made me want to throw up. But, you know, nevertheless, I, 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 I experienced something with them, and then I watched them win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, so I was happy about that. I am a Jet fan, diehard. If it was the Jets or the Eagles, it's the Jets. But... Uh, I, I, I was very happy to see them win a Super Bowl finally uh, um, a couple of years ago. But go ahead. So, so my question is, were, were you expecting them to be this good at the beginning of the year? Because they're a pretty well-rounded team. And if you see a flaw in the Eagles in terms of being, even though they're 10-1 right now, what do you think it would be their biggest issue? Oh, boy. Um, I, did, I did expect them to perform in the year prior. I don't know how of a hot start they would have, but I think I wanted them to succeed. They certainly have. Uh, it's because of the offseason that they had a lot of pieces. Obviously, you talk about how Roseman fleecing people sometimes. They've got a lot of talent. If there was a hole on the team right now, it would be just the injury because they've been fairly healthy overall. Uh, the biggest one is uh, Chauncey, uh, yeah. the uh, safety. I think the safety issue is a little bit tough i mean reed blankenship looked great you know picking up aaron Rodgers, all that um but i think safety is kind of a big issue cornerbacks just pretty pretty solid uh in bradbury slay that's top tier linebackers are pretty good right now serviceable and jordan davis is coming back so the whole d line is like really good uh, in terms of a whole safety offense i don't really see an, an issue unless somebody gets injured um that's it they've been really healthy and that's kind of the 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 tail every year is staying healthy, and that kind of puts them in the playoff run and sometimes the Super Bowl. I think the MVP of the league is Jalen Hurts, and I think he's been fantastic. Uh, for everybody that was throwing him under the bus saying that, oh, we the, the Eagles have two first-round draft picks this year. They're giving up on him. If this guy doesn't show up this year, they're going to walk away from him, and they're going to move up and get the quarterback of their pickings. And by the way, they have a pretty high pick this year because they have the Saints pick, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So they have a chance to get possibly right now, if the season were to end, I think the Saints are picking at – Six or seven, yeah, which like they, they yeah. could they could get a quarterback at six or seven. And if they want to take their other first round draft pick and, and move up even faster, they can get any quarterback they really want. So I, I think Jalen Hurts is the guy. This team is only going to get better in the offseason with the draft stock that they have. I mean, it's ridiculous where this team is going. And they have arguably the coach of the year. They have the GM of the year. I mean, they're... They're having a sensational year. They deserve all the credit, and, and I, I, I give a lot of respect to Rosen uh, and, and what he has done over the last couple of years rebuilding. And, and thank you, Mr. Rosen, for such a great GM in, yes, our GM, Mr. Douglas. So I am not upset right now for both my teams. Uh, we're very well run. From from the GM to the coach area, so I'm not her big too. <laughs> yes, by the way, thank you for giving us her big, who is uh, 
one of the more efficient guards right now in the NFL. So, And he's going to make a lot of money in the offseason. Maybe not from the Jets, but somebody is going to pay him a lot of money for the season that he's having. It's been sensational for the New York Jets. As everybody knows, we are talking to NFL Network's newsroom ticker operator and writer Brendan Walker. Uh, you you look at this season, It's there's so many highs and a lot of lows. And uh, teams that we thought were going to be good, the Raiders, oh, my God, they've been horrible. The Broncos, I mean, <laughs> you have, I don't know, you have a, a quarterback that doesn't know where the hell he is anymore. I guess he feels that his ass is in, his ass right now is in Seattle and his body is over there in, in Denver. I don't know what he's thinking. He's getting yelled at by his defensive players. He just got a $200 million, $250 million contract. He's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL and just an absolute bust right now. The Broncos are probably praying and wishing that they didn't make that trade because uh, right now they're put in – you know, salary cap hell. They have no future. I, I, I mean, and Seattle's just laughing to the bank. We got Geno Smith. We now have an efficient offensive line. Next year, we have the Broncos' first round draft pick, which is probably going to be number three or number two. Oh, Will Anderson's out of the Seahawks. <laughs> We're flying in a great position. So, I, I mean, who's who's really upset right now? It's definitely not Seattle. What has been the craziest part of this year in your eyes? so far uh, for all the highs and the lows of the league? Well, Russell Wilson's certainly up there. That's terrible. The Raiders are a huge disappointment because on paper, we thought the AFC West was going to be amazing. Every team was going to be amazing. So that goes along with them. Never seen quite the downfall of the Rams, a team that won the Super Bowl and as talented as they were, I have never seen a team crumble and fizzle out so bad. Same thing as the Broncos. No future. They put every, they put all the eggs into the basket, and uh, they have no future. They have no pick. It's gone to the Lions, and, and the team is riddled with injury. You got every star player injured. You got Aaron Donald now out this week. You got Matthew Stafford, who's been dealing with this concussion issue, and you and you have uh, Cooper Cup, who's been who's been out, and it's just you have all your star players out. Okay, well, now your team is trash because you have no star players. And they're second to last, I think I'm looking at here, the yep. playoff picture, the second to last in the NFC. And the Bears are, I would say the Bears are better than them right now. They should be last. You know, it's like I've never seen a team look as bad as they are after the Super Bowl than this team. It might be one of the worst disappointments post-Super Bowl, hmm. quite the hangover. Yeah, it would be the first one since t- uh, the Buccaneers after they won in 2003 that would be that would finish under 500 if they were to finish under 500. I will tell you this, if this ever happens, if this happens again next year, uh, I don't care if they won a Super Bowl, you know, a year, a year ago or two years ago. Sean McVay is going to be looking for another job because you can't trade away all those pieces and your future and only win one Super Bowl. He might Bowl. just step down himself. At this I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it, it, it's ever since Odell Beckham got hurt. Uh, and he is no longer playing for this team. They haven't been the same. When Odell Beckham went at the end of the season at the trade deadline, they were a different team. They really were a different explosive team. And now that Odell Beckham is trying to figure out where he wants to go, and the Rams were one of those teams that really stood out. Everybody thought that's where he was going back to. The Rams are not a playoff team. Matthew Stafford hasn't been – I think Matthew Stafford wasn't 100% healthy all season long. And you're going to probably hear at the end of the season he's going in for shoulder surgery or arm surgery. He has not been 100%. Because if Matthew Stafford was 100%, he would be throwing 4,000 yards. It doesn't matter who's the wide receiver. Matthew Stafford 
is one of the more talented arm quarterbacks in the NFL. And the fact that he has only thrown, what, 26 or 2,700 yards in a full season, that is alarming. And I, I think it had a lot to do with his arm strength. So I, I feel bad for Matt. It, it, he, this is a guy that uh, deserves a lot of credit for what he did last year. And and really coming home to the Rams, he, got, he obviously is going to be a free agent this year. The Rams are going to have to figure out what they're going to do with him. Are they going to sign him, or are they going to look elsewhere in free agency? You have Derek Carr that could be available. You have Aaron Rodgers that very much could be available uh, with one more year left on that contract. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Raiders, by the way. I, I really do. The Rams um, have to trade their first-round pick in 2028 or so. Yeah. <laughs> and, try to do that. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo could be available. There is a uh, Lamar Jackson. There's a lot of quality quarterbacks starting quarterbacks that could be available this offseason, and it'll be very interesting to see where some of these teams go, including the Jets, if Mike White isn't the answer and it isn't Zach Wilson. I don't believe the Jets are going to draft again. I I don't think they're going to be that stupid. So I I think what they have right now is they're in position to win now and have a very good young team, bringing in a veteran quarterback with a good young group like this or a good young group in – Oakland or something. I'm, I'm sorry, not Oakland. Vegas. Uh, maybe they're a contender. So it, it's going to be very, very crazy in the offseason and, and, and the draft positions that a lot of these teams are. So uh, it's very interesting. As everybody knows, we are talking to NFL Network newsroom ticker and operator and writer, Brendan Walker. Last question for me, Brendan. Yeah. You look at the league and you look at the dominance of Kansas City. And what they have done over the last couple of years. And Patrick Mahomes, who he is as a quarterback, what he stands for. And and really, the face right now of the NFL. Do you really believe that this Kansas City Chiefs team is a Super Bowl contender? Honestly, when you look at top to bottom, is this the best Kansas City team you've seen? And do you think... With, with all the craziness that's going on in the AFC, do you really think that this team is now, being that they're the number one favorites, the Super Bowl contending champion? The way you're phrasing it makes me think you don't like this team a lot. I think they're very overrated. I, I really uh. do. I, I really do. Travis Kelsey is a beast right now. I, I, I mean, you yes. can't stop this guy. This guy, and by the way, you have arguably the best center in the NFL and his brother. I mean, these two guys are just bohemians. These guys are great. They're fantastic to watch. But honestly, I think they're highly overrated. Okay? I, I, I do. I, I'm not them. But I, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are highly overrated as a team. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is fantastic. We've seen teams like the Buffalo Bills get in his head. And when you do that, you could throw him off his mark, and he's not as dominant and, and he's not as great of a thrower when he gets into that pressure situation. I don't think this offensive line is as good as everybody thinks it is. And when they play one of these young defenses, maybe the Jets or one of these other teams that they haven't seen this year that can get at you up with four and and, and play man-to-man coverage, uh, they're going to have a lot of problems against those teams. So do you think that this team is for real? Uh, Well, now I might have to change my answer now. (laughs) I, I, uh, I definitely at the beginning was like right now, like maybe a couple weeks back, I was looking at the Eagles and Chiefs. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's possible Super Bowl matchup. I was like, yeah, if we play the Chiefs right now, I don't know if we could beat them because the offense was like, oh, they were putting up 45 points. You know, Eagles kind of bend, don't break, but they've given up points to some teams, even to 
Packers team without Aaron Rodgers. So like half the game. So, you know what I mean? They, they're looking good at some point. Very interested to see this next game coming up this week, week 13 with the Bengals and mm-hmm. Chiefs because Bengals record is not indicative of how good the team is. I think they just had a slow start. And last year, the Bengals actually beat them in the regular season. So I, I actually am high on the Bills. Uh, no, sorry, not Bills. <laughs> Bengals, mm-hmm. currently. I know Bills are up there. I think the Chiefs are one of the top teams, for sure, uh, in the AFC. Uh, but I think that the NFL is very top-heavy on the NFC side versus the AFC. I think the AFC is still kind of... a uh, any team could kind of win. It's just a whole bunch of like mishmash versus the NFC where it's like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Great defense. Great. You know, it's stuff like that. Do I go against what you say and say that the chiefs are legit? I, I think they're legit for their AFC division or sorry, conference. Um, but maybe not overall. And now that I, now that I'm thinking about it, now that you're, now that you're saying some stuff, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. I just, I'm, I'm looking at them as a, a full package and they have the, to me, he's been, as good a quarterback as anybody in the league this year, but they don't have the weapon. They don't have Tyreek Hill. And and teams already know, Travis Kelsey, if you could stop Travis Kelsey or even contain him to one touchdown a game, you have to have Scantling try to beat you, Juju try to beat you. These names are not names that really stand out to you anymore. It, it really is. Juju isn't the same player he was for the two or three years he was with the the Steelers when he was a top player and, and, and a top route runner. And, and Scantling, give me a break, okay? Or what is it, Hardman or whatever the hell his name is. The, these guys aren't the big superstar players that we remember with Tyreek Hill. So honestly... I think that this team is beatable. I, I as as the Buffalo Bills showed you that they can beat them, and I don't think that they're as good as they were when they won the Super Bowl. I really don't. I, I think this is one of the worst Kansas City Chiefs teams we've seen. So, as good as their record shows them, uh, who have they beaten this year? Okay, and look at who they're playing besides the Bengals. Are you going to tell me any of the other teams that they have to play are any good? They have the easiest. They have the easiest schedule for the last four games of the season in the whole NFL. So, yeah, they're going to be the number one seed. Does that mean that they're going to beat one of those top AFC teams when they meet them in the playoffs? The answer is no. Andy Reid is the best coach out of all of them. I I really do. I think he's a great offensive mind. He's a good trickster when it comes to the big game. I still believe, and you know Andy Reid very well because you're a Philadelphia fan, but I can't sit here today and say, Hey, you know what? I think Kansas City's going all the way. I think they're wonderful. I want to kiss their you-know-what. You know what I want to do? I want to see them go down in flames because, honestly, I think they're highly overrated. So that's my thoughts to the whole thing. Speedy. Right. My last question is, uh, for your Eagles, who do you fear most in the playoffs <laughs> in the NFC? In the NFC? This one might be a little crazy to hear, uh, but it- – this would be between the 49ers and the Cowboys right now. I think they could beat the Cowboys in the regular season, uh, but then in come playoff time, it's kind of a little stop different. You it. never know in the playoffs. Brandon, Not, stop no, it. no, 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 no. Stop you never it. know stop divisional it. games in the playoffs. It can. It, you never know what could happen. You want me to throw up? They're not. The Cowboys aren't beating them. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care how good Michael Parsons is in this defense, which uh, their secondary is highly overrated. The Cowboys' secondary isn't. Diggs is, is a, 
um, not a make-or-break corner, uh, okay? He, he loves to, you know, try to find the pick, and if he doesn't, you mm-hmm. know, pick the ball off, he's not the same corner. I, I, I the, the corners don't even match up. The secondary of the Eagles don't match up to the Cowboys because they're so much better, the Eagles. Uh, I, I, there's nothing that – the 49ers are the only team that really should scare you. Okay. Uh, okay, in, yeah. in in the whole NFC. They're really good. They have a high-flying offense. Their defense is starting to wake up. Their offensive line is showing up. They're scary good. And when they figure it out and they put two and two together, and yes, we have Pete coming on, and I'm sure he's going to argue Minnesota's the team to watch. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I, I think Minnesota has some deficiencies too. I think they can win. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I, I think they have all the weapons offensively to win. Uh, and, and and go all the way to the NFC title game. I just don't trust Kirk Cousins when it comes down to the big game, and that's the big problem. But I, I'm definitely going to have my thoughts with Pete. I'm sure he's going <laughs> to yell at me when we get him on. But, Brendan, we okay. love you, man. We want to get you on again. Uh, you're fantastic. Keep up the good work with the NFL uh, as the newsroom ticker operator and writer. You're fantastic, man. You really Everything. are. I love you guys. Absolutely. Great work, as always. Brendan Walker, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really was. Thank you. When we come back, our friends, a guy that doesn't need any applause and a guy that's probably going to bite my damn head off. Okay. We will be talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst, Pete Bursick, here on the Sports Limeouts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Check our website out at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Great show. I, I, I want to give a shout-out to Brendan Walker for joining us. Fantastic uh, analyst, a.k.a. newsroom ticker operator and writer for the NFL. He is fantastic. Love him when he comes on the show. He is an Eagle fan, so uh, I'm sure he is very excited moving forward as uh, the season is coming to a close, and they're going to probably be the number one seed in the NFC. Another guy who I've been waiting to get him on the show – We've had him on a couple of times. Uh, if he's not sitting in his car and arguing with us in his car, he's <laughs> hanging out at home, you know, doing his thing. I, he's yeah. very well respected around the league. Uh, a guy that I re- very much respect, even though he wants to bite my head off half the time. Uh, we are now talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst, Pete Bursick. Pete, what's up, man? Not much. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are you? We're good, man. I, I wanted to go. You doing all right? Are you guys doing okay? I I mean, I, I mean, you know, the, Jets, the, we're, Jets, we're, the Jets are 7-4. I we're, should be we're, happy. We're, we're, sitting, we're sitting down just like Zach Wilson is on the bench. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, no, he, he was standing most of the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I digress. I, I, did, I did like the faces he was making. He looked like a clown. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's. You can't win in that situation because what are you supposed to be happy that you got benched? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do? Right. You're, you're, you're joyful. I mean, you're happy, I guess that your team won. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a tough situation, man. I mean, that's a, that's a tough situation, especially when the guy's out there 
spreading the ball around. The guy that replaces you is out there spreading the ball around and executing an offense. I mean, that's uh, it's tough. It's got to be tough to watch. Well, Whoopi Goldberg's making another Sister Act 3, so he can hide out and, and be a nun. <laughs> I mean. What what movie's new nowadays? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's like everything. I'm like, I'm 50, and everything I ever watched as a kid is is a movie now. Oh, you're right? young. It's you're like, young, there's Buck. Nothing, there's nothing new. You're only 10 years older than me, bud. Nothing so. new under the sun. <laughs> yeah, well, really, you don't look—you don't look a day over thirty. Well, thank you. I—I I, I love that. I—I I love him even more, even though uh, in a few moments he's probably going to bite my head off. I heard what you said mm. about you know early earlier, mm. so mm. it's it's all right. I mean, everybody's everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Well, I, right? I'm interested to listen to you on the radio this week. And if if you don't know who we're talking to, we're talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings. Radio network analyst Pete Bursick, uh, very well respected around the league. The guy knows his stuff. Uh, you definitely have to check him out throughout Twitter, throughout the social media networks. This guy is as good of an analyst out there. Uh, he's the Vikings voice, and it's it's well, great. It's great what, what he does, and you deserve all the credit. So why don't we get into this game this weekend? This is a big game for both teams. Uh, the Vikings right now, they're 9-2. and two. The Jets are 7-4. and four. The Jets have a chance this week. A lot of people, a lot of experts like the Jets in this game. They match up very well against this Vikings team. Yeah. Justin Jefferson has been one of the best wide receivers we've seen really since Odell Beckham was really on fire with that great catch that he made uh, against the Cowboys and really spread spread that uh, you know the league on fire. You look at Justin Jefferson. You look at Sauce Garner. This matchup is definitely a matchup that people are looking forward to. What what do you think could happen this weekend when these two guys collide? It's gonna be it's gonna be great to see. It really is, and and I think what's going to be interesting to see is um, really how Justin Jefferson has um, kind of evolved throughout the season, right? I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles were really when we played the Philadelphia Eagles. You watched them the game before they were a four man front. We go out to Philadelphia, they show up a lot of five man front. They wanted to get the 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 big kid, the new nose tackle, the the rookie from uh, Georgia in there, and you know Darius Slay was was rolled up, and he had help over the top and they, they, you know, they jammed them at the line of scrimmage and basically it's, it's about interrupting the timing. Right. And you, they, you know, they, they did a good job of, of shutting him down. And then we go play Detroit. Um, and you know, Detroit did a pretty good job of it too. And I'm I'm trying to remember the, the guy's name, the, the cornerback's name from Detroit. O-R-O-R-E-A. Yeah, no, not not Oruwari is the Okuda, other guy. Okuda, Okuda, yeah, Okuda was surprising, surprisingly good. He had you know real long arm. He changed up the timing of his jams and disruptions, things like that. But for JJ, just like any receiver, and that's what's so awesome. That's what I love most about the NFL is you constantly have to evolve because teams no longer are going to just let JJ free release. If you let him free release and you you play, you try to play some type of you know single high three deep. Or if you blitz, you better get there. But if you let him just free release and have the field, he's too fast. He's too quick. He's too good. He is too good of a catch radius. He's going to get you. So a couple teams did that. And, you know, Miami did a pretty good job of it until I think the Vikings coaches figured out what they were seeing and they ran some, you know, man-to-man type beating, beating routes. Um, so for the Jets, it's going to be interesting to see if they take sauce and roll them up and see how much J.J. has progressed throughout the season. And, and he understands 
that he has to get better at certain things. And um, it's going to be a great battle, right? Um, it's going to be a really, really good battle. It's going to be interesting to see the Bears kind of threw his way a little bit um, on Gardner, especially a couple, you know, the touchdown uh, to Claypool should, could have been caught what it should have been caught. Um, so it'll be, it, it, you know, there's, I think there's opportunities. It's just going to be very interesting. It's, it's a very compelling reason to watch this football game. Not only do you have two possible playoff teams, but I mean, who would have thought the last we talked, last talk, last time we talked was like in what, August? Yep. Yeah. Right before the season. Who started. would have thought we would have been talking now other than seeing it on a schedule and saying, we got a nine and you know, we got a, a, a potential. <laughs> I mean, we could win the division this weekend. If we win, I say we, the Vikings win mm-hmm. and the Detroit lions lose. Mm. Think about that. I mean, and you guys are in the mix of it. You guys being the New York jets mm-hmm. never would have thought of it. I mean, I could, I could kind of see our end of it, but as far as you and the jets, you've got to be just, just thrilled. Well, I did tell you that I thought the jets we're going to be in a playoff contingency uh, when this game was going to happen. I thought it was going to be very, very important this game. And I didn't know and how Minnesota it. was going to be. I didn't know. And I got to give you credit for that because yeah. you've been saying that, I think, before every season for the last 15 years. <laughs> and you got it right. And, and you know what? One out of 15. Way to go, buddy. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. No, they, they've, they've done a good job. And, and you, I mean – and I'm 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 like interested to talk to you guys too, just as as much to get some information mm-hmm. uh, out of you guys. Absolutely. But, um, you know, a very a very aggressive, fast, yep. probably the fastest defense I've seen on film. Um, you know, uh, offensive line, they're not road graders, but they're athletic, mm-hmm. right? They they position block well. They 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 outside zone block very very well. That's going to be the key. How are you going to do that on a three four? If you got outside linebackers who are going to keep contained, that's going to be the interesting part to see if you guys can run um, the the shot in the arm that Mike White gave your offense, the Jets' offense. I mean, he spread the ball around ten different guys, caught passes. I mean, that that excites everybody, right? All of a sudden, you're like, oh my god, you know, hey, this guy could throw me, actually throw me the ball. Mm-hmm. So that was a good shot in the arm. He did a very good job, and I sent you guys a, a link mm-hmm. uh, to the video. That I did, and that's watching that game, you know, and studying that game. That's what he did. I mean, he beat the Bears pre-snap. He knew he's smart enough to know if I see this, that I'm going to do that. And he proved that over and over again. But I guess his kryptonite is kind of that bootleg that that should have been intercepted, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a mistake that he got away with. And mm-hmm. and so with him, it's you know, with with White, it's about disguising pre-snap. And then making them uncomfortable after the snap. But you could say that about any quarterback, right? So that's what the Vikings are going to have to do. And defensively, we've been we've been struggling now. The, the bear, I mean, the for Dallas, for God's sake, we gave up 460 yards. I think a total offense. Yep. Um, you know, Mac Jones. You Mac Jones put up three points mm-hmm. the week before against the Jets mm-hmm. before we played them. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that game, they were going empty and just letting them throw it. Mm. Right. So are there issues? Are there issues? Yeah. Are there things that need to get fixed? Yeah. And again, this is uh, the league has changed where I think a team can look as poorly as we did on uh, on Sunday, on uh, Sunday night or Sunday, you know, 320, whatever, 330 kickoff against the Cowboys and then come back and play as well as they did offensively against the Patriots. So um, you know what? I don't know, man. It's it, it. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But it's going to be. It'll be fun. 
We are talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst Pete Bursick. You know, you were saying how fast the hey, Jets' defense Aaron, is. Aaron Rodgers gave me this mug. <laughs> I'm sure. He, I'm sure he's not thinking that way now. <laughs> well, he's not relaxed, but uh, he will be starting this week. The question is, how long is he going to be starting? Is he 100 percent healthy? Yeah. Which we know he's not, and uh, he doesn't want to lose that job to Jordan Love because he knows that when he steps off that field and Jordan Love steps on that field, that might be the <laughs> end of Aaron. Just like Brett Favre, yeah. so in you know in Green Bay maybe mm. it was, I don't think I don't think Aaron I don't no. think Rodgers no I I, I think it makes gone, a lot of sense him but. going to Vegas I, I really do uh, if Derek Carr if they decide to part ways with Derek he's a free agent uh, it, it makes a lot of sense yeah. where Aaron Aaron Rodgers could go right in there Waller yeah. Renfro and now Devontae Adams I mean it you're is, a Super Bowl contender you know what it is it is interesting. Um, I know before the season started, kind of we talk. We obviously have to talk about the Packers a lot, mm-hmm. but just saying, you know, is, it's the old chicken and the egg thing. Is it Devonte Adams or you know, is it Aaron Rodgers? And I learned back in when I was coaching with the Vikings when we had Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss, right? And they both wanted to be number one, meaning they both wanted to be the highest paid, right? Because they both thought that they were the best player on the team. It's like okay, you can argue that. That's fine, but um, what ended up happening was they, you know, they broke up, and it's the old saying where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, right? Mm-hmm. Dante made Randy better, and Randy made Dante better, right? Randy pulled off coverage so Dante could run. Um, you know, Dante could throw that ball. I mean, he could throw a ball a mile. His arm, you know, six five, two sixty five, two seventy. He could throw a football a country mile which helped Randy and and Randy's career turned out just fine. But it's like, what if those two would have, would have just stayed together. Mm. Right. And you think about the same thing with, with Adams and Rogers, because the Packers did so much schematically to get, to get Devonte Adams, the football. I mean, they did a ton and Rogers was good enough to get it to him. The two of them were always on the same page. And the thing about Rogers that's so dangerous is that, you know, and, and I heard you guys talking about the chiefs and mm-hmm. you, you know, you think about the chiefs and, you know what they're doing and it's like well the, the quarterback scrambles but he doesn't scramble to 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 run right like Justin Fields it's like you want to <laughs> pull Justin Fields aside and say listen dude keep running like you're running but just don't keep running stop <laughs> and throw it right you need, you need one of those because, signs like Forrest Gump <laughs> yeah well yeah because it's it, it you just can't survive in this league getting hit like you do you know you may be able to survive a eight games 10 games maybe one season um, but you're shortening your career by that. And if you can scramble and move like you can and beat somebody deep, you're going to slow. If you're, if you can move in the pocket, you're going to slow the pass rush down. Defensive lines do not go into green Bay and rush, or at least they used to when, when Devante was there, but they don't rush Aaron Rodgers the same way they do Kirk cousins, Kirk cousins. They're like, we're pinning our ears back. We know where he's going to be. We can play two man behind it. No problem. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he'll move and extend plays and the receivers know exactly what to do. He knows exactly where they're going to go and he could burn you on it. So that's how you extend your career. Right. So for fields, it's like, OK, you you know, we, he's an unbelievable athlete. I mean, the guy's he guy's unbelievable. It's just, dude, you got to you got to throw the football and make teams pay. Uh, you'll do get exactly what you want. And that's slowing down the pass rush. Right. And um, that's that I think is the is the key to quarterbacks now in the NFL is their ability to keep a play alive and 
do something with it, kind of make it up as you go some, in some times or some ways, I guess. But I don't know. You asked me what time it was. I just told you guys how. No, no, no. We, we, so we, I apologize. No, no. It's, it's it's a great. I get take. paid to talk. It's what I do. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> hey, listen. That's what that's what we do, and that's why we love you. But you know, getting yeah, back, you get a little bit of a, you get a little bit of break. It's like you just <laughs> you know wind them up and let them go. You guys. Well, you know, maybe that's how you played football. You know, you you were talking a lot on the field. <laughs> No, I'm that I, I didn't smell. I know I didn't really I didn't say a whole lot. I think that's why I talk so much now. You know what I mean? I didn't want to like piss off John Randall or something. No, you definitely wouldn't want to do that. Or or, the, or like Randall McDaniel, like Randall McDaniel, oh, yeah. who's probably one of the best offensive guards ever played the game. He's two. He was 280, 85 pounds. Right? Wasn't that big? Mm. And didn't say boo, but it was it was like. Um, um, the movie Blazing Saddles with yeah. Mongo. Remember Mongo? Yes, yes. You know, and he was going to go see Mongo, and he, the sheriff was going to bring his gun, and he's like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't shoot him. You'll just make him angry. Right? The same, it was the same thing with Randall McDaniel. It's like, dude, you do just don't talk to him. Don't don't make him angry, because if you make him angry, <laughs> you make him angry, you're going to embarrass you. Were you so, play, were you playing when uh, with the two uh, Williams brothers, Kevin and Pat, when they were on the? I was coaching tackle? at that. Time. Oh, you were coaching. I was the they, linebacker. They, coach. Those two seemed very intimidating. Like you wouldn't want to mess with them either. They they were. I, I, I how do I say it? The, the, here, let me tell you a little story about Kevin Williams. Kevin Williams, we, um, uh, I was working with George O'Leary, and it was really George O'Leary who found Kevin Williams. He found him down at the Senior Bowl and, and just fell in love with the guy and and really was the um, at the front of the, the tip of the spear in drafting him. And Kevin Williams is huge, right? He's a 6'5", yeah. 300-pound guy, right? And he's like the smallest one in his family. Wow. His brother, his brother, we met his brother, and his brother just dwarfs him. Like he called, <laughs> like I think, he, you know, he refers to Kevin as little man, right? You know, um, but Kevin's is, is just a big He's just a country guy, right? You know, he likes to go fishing and, you know, real slow. And then there's Pat Williams, right? And Pat Williams um, talks a million miles an hour. And a funny story about Pat Williams is is when he was young, um, you know, they thought he had a learning disability or that there was something wrong with him. And if not for a teacher, he had a grade school teacher who realized that he had a condition where he can't, he, he, he can't read um, like black ink on white paper. Wow. There's just something, there's just something there that, that it was like nails on a chalkboard for him visually. So she figured that out and then had all of his schoolwork printed out in red paper. Right. And he was, and he was fine. So, you know, thank God for, for those people, you know, for people in your life like that. And, but Pat talked a million miles an hour. You couldn't understand a word he was saying because he talked so fast and he had a little bit of a stutter, but he talked a million miles an hour. And he and Kevin would talk, right? You have Master and Blaster. You got this big guy and this little guy. Neither one of them were like little, little. But Pat would, and Kevin would be like, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. And it was it was one of the funniest things. And then you had Jared Allen. I mean, their meeting room, their meeting room was like, was like romper room. It was like, it was, it was nuts. It was, it was, yeah, it was chaos. Speedy wasn't alive for romper room, but that was, but. Uh, that but was it was great. 
but when you you know when you coach really good players i mean yeah. what do you basically i get is get out of the way let them go out there and do their thing <laughs> that's right? true making the average ones better, better. that's yeah. that's where coaches make their hay i guess i wouldn't want to speak to pat williams on the field the way he no. hit you so <laughs> no, no. Pat, pat was pat was uh he'd, he'd come running he'd come running off the field <laughs> After a series, and he, he'd see guys sitting on a bench, and he'd be like, "Get get out of the way! Get out of the way! Get out of the way!" Nose man, he's like, "Nose man, coming through, coming through, coming through, coming through!" And he just coming, he's boom, right? And he would, he, yeah, you had to get out of his way when he was coming off the field of the bench. But, no, I yeah, see. He's, if he speaks that fast, but, I, I wouldn't but, want to hey, get involved with smart, it. Smart, smart, very, very, very smart. He's a, he knew football. He was smart about what was going on, and um, knew what offenses were trying to do. Knew how to read blocks. Um, yeah, he's he's very very smart football player. So I want to go back to the, the current Vikings. Uh, Kevin O'Connell. When we last talked to you, we, we didn't know what he was as a coach yet. We were just kind of previewing that he was coming from the Rams. He was going to bring some offensive concepts. I thought he was very creative against the Patriots. They were maneuvering a lot of those guys around. So, what has been your impressions of him so far? And how do you think they will have to be creative like that in order to attack this Jets defense? Um, yeah, Kevin. Kevin has been, um, you know. He's he's the complete opposite of Mike Zimmer in so many ways, and not that one of them's better or worse. All right, they both they're both very they're both really really good coaches, and they both won all, they won a lot of football games. I'm saying their styles can be are as, as polar opposite as you can get. Um, Kevin is he's a very he's a gifted speaker, right? He's very very good at, at taking something that's very complex and making it very simple. Um, he's very are very good about getting his point across, and you look at the Vikings this year compared to last year. Last year, we set a record, and I believe it was nine games that we lost by one score. You you flip that going forward, and I don't know if there are any other. We've had all but one football game, all but one, eight of our nine wins all been by one score. And so what exactly is that? Is that the coach and the scheme and everything? Well, you know, we'll get into that, but it's, these guys believe in themselves now, and they believe in each other more importantly. And so that, and that can't be, you can't just sit people in a room and tell them, right. You, you know, you never give up, you never surrender. You got faith in, in the guy next to you. You're in that foxhole together. It, that, that stuff can't be taught. It can't be, uh, you know, commanded. It's something that has to happen almost organically. Uh, but yeah, they found a way, they found a way to win these football games. And what he's doing is, and I'm, this is why I'm so excited to see, what cousins is able to do. Um, and I, you know, I heard what I, I heard what you said about cousins earlier and it's like, okay, I mean, I, I get where that comes from. And I think they're, I, I can see the point, but they're putting so much, he's putting Kevin O'Connell's putting so much more on Kirk cousins as a football player, knowing the game plan, knowing what he's going to see, having the responsibility of putting the team in the right position. So it's nowhere near as simple as it used to be for him. Cause for cousins, it used to be just line up and execute the play that's called. Now he has say in things. Now he has to make decisions. Now he has to really know what's going on out there. Uh, and I think against the Patriots was the best example of this offense working like that. We've, we've seen fits and spurts of it. Um, you know, uh, it, you know, you've seen, mistakes you know some growing pains those kinds of things it's going to be interesting to see how it goes against the jets and for the next you know five weeks or so after that uh because if this starts clicking for him right if this if this starts clicking for cousins and the offense and everybody else 
I think, you know, offensively, we can hang with anybody, um, you know, and defensively, yeah, they're learning the three, four, a lot of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to get more physical. Our defense needs to be, you know, they need to be more physical and learning the techniques and playing them right, especially in a three, four, which is new to a lot of them. They can master that. You know, I think the defense can improve quite a bit. You know, we have some issues at corner with just bodies. Andrew Booth Jr., our rookie corner, just had knee surgery, so he's out. Cameron Dantzler, um has had neck issues. And so we've had another rookie, Caleb Evans, in there. Uh, Duke Shelley, who, you know, was, um, I think, with the Bears. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I mean, he was. I know, think he, he was with the Bears. The practice yeah. squad, yeah. And so. You know, he made a, actually made a big play against the Bills for us and uh, made a big play last week. Uh, one big, one nice play, big play against the, the Patriots. So, you know, how far, how far realistically you sit there and go, well, you know, how far can a team go with a, you know, with a rookie corner? It's like, well, just whatever. Uh, overall, though, um, this offense, I think, is starting to click. And it's, it, it, like I said, I hope it's not the roller coaster ride that we've kind of seen over the last couple months, but we'll, you know, we'll, I, we'll see. We are talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst, Pete Bursick. You were speaking about the corner situation uh, for the Vikings. The jets have uh, uh, a lot of prolific offensive talent. Uh, you have Garrett Wilson, who's becoming a star right in front of her eyes. Yep. Even with Zach Wilson throwing him, throwing to him, uh, he's been putting up the numbers. Now you have White, two touchdowns, 95 yards last week. was fantastic. You have Elijah Moore now waking up. You have the tight ends. You know Conklin very, very well. He's finally yep. uh, figuring out how to catch the ball with the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, you have Davis back. You have Denzel Mims becoming a piece and, and a piece of the pie for the New York Jets. And then, uh, really, just the speed of this team. This is going to be a very hard offense for the Vikings to stop, being that they have so many weapons. And it's crazy to say this because you know this, Pete. When was the last time you could say that the Jets have weapons? I don't even remember um, the last time. You yeah, know? man, I don't know. Maybe Brian, back in the Brian Cox days, <laughs> right? I you mean, know what I mean? They had Brendan Marshall and Eric Decker for one year, and then that that went, to, yeah. you know, to split. Yeah, that but, went south. Yes. Um, yeah, it's no, it's been, it's been a while. It's been mm-hmm. a while, and and trust me, when you turn on the you, you you turn on the tape and you watch the film, um, like I said, this is by far the fastest defense, and I'm talking, you know, from the nose tackle to the to the to the nickel to the free safety to the dime everybody that they put on the field is an unbelievable athlete making run um so you're not going to be able to run away from these guys you're not gonna be able to just run outside and 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 run away from them um what defense guy really scares you in the film that you've watched quinn and williams you hear a lot about when i take i took a good look at the bears game and it was really it was it was john franklin myers that guy um wow he's just he's you know he's good you guys kind of you guys kind of play the run on the way to the quarterback, right? You're you you know the defense is is upfield yep. and, and and they're very very aggressive. So, but those I think those two guys up front, um, a good defensive front. You got you, I mean really across the board, um, you know Nathan Shepard. They're 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 all very very good good football players. They're in a system that fits them. The movement and the line stunts and the blitzing and all those things that they do so well together. Um, if you if you don't have your footwork down or your technique down, 
and your offensive line doesn't know how to pass off stunts and do some of those things, they could it could really be a long day because those guys are just such unbelievable athletes. Pete, you know what stands out to me when I watch this Jets defense is the linebacker play. Everybody thought that this linebacker linebacker play going into the season had no depth. Mosley, obviously, over the last couple of years, has been fighting injury. This has been the first mm-hmm. year where he stayed. He's really been healthy all season long, has been a huge leader for this team. Kawan Alexander, yeah. they bring him in. And then Quincy Williams, where they practically stole him from the Jaguars. And I'm sure they're yeah. smacking themselves in the head how fast he is. Uh, the ability yep. that he has, you know, in the open field to tackle tight ends and do the things that the Jets have not been good at for years. And that's why the Patriots have been demolishing them. Uh, I don't even yeah. want to mention that name, that, that team, by the way. But yeah. uh, well. it's been fantastic. And I think Mosley has been really the face of this defense. He's been fantastic, sensational. Yeah. And I believe this year he is at an all pro year. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would I would agree with you on on that respect and on cj mosley that he's wherever the football is he is he's fast he's not afraid to hit somebody right he's not he's not gonna hit a guy and light him up per se uh, but he's definitely going he's definitely going to be the spearhead he's definitely going to get to the football and i know like you said with quincy williams i thought i mean from i'm looking at some of my notes i apologize but quincy williams is he's a very very solid football player too and it's it's nice it's it's nice some when you're when you're watching film and you have to rewind it and go, okay, wait, which 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 guy was that? Was that fifty six or fifty seven? Right, you, you have to kind of the two of them, you know, play very well, you know, together. And you know, Quan Alexander is, I think, a very he's very athletic. Um, he could, you know, the tackling and the physical part of the game. I think he doesn't quite match Quan, you know, Quan Alexander yet. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, like a guy like C- a guy, a guy like uh, Quan Alexander, I would I would run at at him, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to run away from him because mm-hmm. he'll catch you. You just want to be physical and run at him. So, um, but yeah, it's the but it's the whole group. I mean, you know, like you, you got Jermaine Johnson, a guy that I love coming oh, out of you know, coming out too. of Florida State. So you, you look at you know you look at what he does. He's just fast. He's powerful. He can bull rush. You know, Michael Clemens. Um, you know what a fine Bryce, for them, you know, Bryce the Huff. Now, Bryce Huff, yes, he comes in and he's you know he uses his hands real well as a pass rusher, and it's like, well, that's the kind of guy that Brian O'Neill struggled against um, or has struggled against in the past, and so it's like, okay, how's that? You know, how's that matchup going to go? How much is he going? You know, going to be in the game? And I don't know. I mean, you know, um, and you know, like Tanzel Smart, um, very stout, double, you know, as uh, taking on double teams, holding the point. And that's the thing is you get guys like Tanzel Smart in there, uh, Quentin Williams, Shepard, holding on double teams or just making those double teams last a little bit longer. And then right behind you, you've got a guy like Mosley who can run like the wind. It's a problem, yeah. right? It's it's a big problem. And, you know, it's – you guys are aggressive. They they don't – you guys, they don't read and, and, and let things happen and react. It's like you guys – you know, these guys are downhill. They attack. And I think I like that about your coach's mentality is, is you got to establish that first. You want these guys to be aggressive and get downhill, um, pe- you know, peel them back a little bit later, mm. I guess. Um, so I think that's going to be a lot of it is coming down to how well do the Vikings manage the blitz? How well, how well do they manage the pressure? Um, you know, how well do you do with your protections? Do you, you know, allow free runners? Um, you got your hot routes all straightened out, you know, and the, 
because you got to make a team pay. The only way to really stop a team from blitzing you is to burn them, mm. right? Is to really, really burn them. And that's the only thing that keeps defensive coordinators from wanting to blitz all the time. Um, and so, you know, you guys are going to blitz. You're what the second uh, percentage wise, second highest in the NFL. Oh, I mean, blitzing! Right. No, the Jets you know, do not blitz. They a don't lot. blitz at they, all. They're the second least, I think. Second least. Second least. Yeah, yeah they don't blitz. Now the Giants are the one that what blitz the a lot. Yeah. What the Jets like to do is they like to bring up four guys and and play man to man defense. They're the best at, in the NFL at doing that, and they've blitzed the second least in the league, which is crazy. Okay. So, uh, which uh, you can use on your uh, your network on on your radio channel. I will. Broadcast. Yeah, I'm really. Yeah, that really looks good for the analyst, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, it's the Giants. I, don't, I haven't watched right. all the yeah. games. So. I'm glad so that, that we can help watch you, Pete. Well, I'm glad that we can help you. So I, I but well, uh, hey, that's yeah, that's that's the whole that's the whole benefit. No, this, right? absolutely. And I love listening to you. I, I've listened to you really since you've come on the show. I, I listen to. I like what I see with Minnesota. I think they're dangerous. Um, I think offensively they have uh, arguably one of the best wide receivers we've seen since Calvin yeah, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Justin's he's. He's unbelievable, and you just, just like you, you just want Kirk to throw him that 50-50 ball. You yeah. know, just just give it up to him. Just you know, make him, let him make a play. And I think most I, most of the time he does. I think Thielen is so important in this game if they plan to beat the Jets because the Jets already know that Jefferson's going to see, Jefferson's going to see the ball thirteen to fifteen times. Kirk Cousins loves looking his way, so expect yeah. that. I think Adam I, Thielen plays a big part of where this offense is going to go against this Jet defense. What I here's, I won't disagree with you on that. I mean, Thielen, you know, Thielen's going to get the one on one, so Thielen's going to have to mm-hmm. win, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that I think is the concern is T.J. Hawkinson, mm. and I I really do believe a big part of or part of why they brought him in was for the man to man type situation. Um, you know, and man to man is like, you know, there's different, there's different ways, obviously to play. You could play like two man where you play like cover two, just man underneath, or you can mini package it with the safeties playing games or, you know, whatever, or play single high man to man and flood the underneath those kinds of things. It's, we've struggled getting open in man earlier this season. Okay. So and until we figured it out and we're able to run some routes and different bunch formations and things that give, give that coverage issues that um, yeah, we, we struggled getting some people open. And I think TJ's the answer to that only because he's such a big body. Hmm. And if you want to cover him with a linebacker, you know, good luck. If so, it's kind of like, how do you, how do you deal with that? And the good, the good news for, for you guys is if TJ's catching the football, most of the time he's just moving the chains, hmm. right? He's not just, you know, Jefferson catches like Randy Moss. You catch, he had three passes, three receptions against Cowboys, three for touchdowns back on Thanksgiving in 88. It's like you, which pick, it's like pick the way you want to die, right? That's kind of the the Belichick thing is when they use the people use the phrase, make a team left-handed. It's like, okay, well, we got to kind of, you know, pick our, pick our battles here. And, and I just think that TJ Hawkinson, um, is going to be the is going to be a big part of of what goes on on Sunday, especially if we see a lot of man to man. Do you want me to defense. predict what's going to happen? Because I've watched the Jets play against pretty good tight ends, pretty speedy, good handed tight ends. Uh, they're going to when when if 
Minnesota gets into the red zone, and when they get into the red zone, they're probably going to put a guy like Sauce on TJ Hawkinson. We've seen that this year. They like to do that. They like to put their big, tall, lengthy, speedy uh, corner on there. They do have a lot of depth on that corner. Cornerback yeah. side with Eccles and and obviously DJ mm-hmm. Reed, who uh, people forget how great DJ Reed is. Michael yeah, Carter, Michael Carter is a top fifteen quarterback in the league too, percentage wise. One of the better slot uh, corners in the league. What a find by Joe Douglas, by the way, uh, finding him in the fourth or fifth round uh, from Duke. So I I mean. They have so many corners that they can evaluate and move around. That's why this is such a good matchup for both teams. I think it's yeah. going to be fun. Uh, it's going to. I. It's not going to be that high flying t- type of game that everybody thinks it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be like thirty to twenty, twenty twenty one. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think yeah. the game is going to be like twenty to seventeen, twenty four to twenty. That's where I think the game is going to lie. It's going to matter at the end of the game who wants it more and who is going to play down yeah. to the opponent that they're playing against. Yeah, and it's it, it's um, you've got a top scoring defense going against a, a you know a top scoring offense, a very good offense, right? So that's kind of the half of the game that everybody's going to want to see. Mm-hmm. It's it, that part of it. I agree with you. It's going to be very very interesting, and it's how many points can can the Jets put up. Uh, with Mike, what Mike White, and I think for for the Vikings, the big thing is going to be to make you know force Mike White into mistakes, mm-hmm. force him out of the pocket, make him feel uncomfortable. Not like a bootleg where it's you know whatever, but to get him to to make some mistakes because he has made them in the past. Yes, he and if you can do that and get a get an extra possession or two, that could you know that could change the game. And I think that's really what it's going to you know come down to because, well, I mean. We, we like to throw the football, mm. and I'll, even though I love Dalvin Cook, I think Dalvin Cook is still the heart and soul of this offense and, and really this team. Um, they, they, they like to throw the ball. Even if we're running the ball well, we still like to throw the football. So if, if you guys are able to contain the passing game, um, I don't know if we'll go away from it. You know what I mean? I, I think <laughs> that's just Kevin O'Connell's you know, mantra. He's just like, we're, you know, we're going to throw the football. We're going to be a passing football team. And uh, yeah, that could be a long. It can end up being a long night for us if that's the case. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, I think a Cook receiving against the Jets. Uh, Robert yeah. Sala and his defenses have always had trouble with pass catching running backs, and we saw we saw the Patriots definitely expose that uh, in their two games yeah. this season. You get yeah, that's one. And, and that's do. and yeah. that's a byproduct of the of your man coverage. I mean, yeah, if you play man, you could take your you know line your receivers up tight and just clear half half the field, right? You just you can just run everybody out of there and then have a running back check through and now all of a sudden he's one-on-one with the linebacker in a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So there's a lot of run after catch in that respect. And, and you're absolutely right. When you say that they've, they've had, but if you're playing man to man, that's where you want to, if you're going to have problems in man to man, that's where you want them mm-hmm. right. With check downs and running backs, not with receivers. Well, yeah. you know, like, like the Ravens had, have had in the past where they're just giving up, you know, 50 yard pass, 50, 70 yard passes all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's um, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, he could have a he could have a big day out of the backfield. I don't know. I mean, like I said, though, I think Dalvin's such a he's just such an important part. And um, for you guys and for the defense, since how aggressive they are, you know, the play action's going to have to be part of it. Hundred percent. It, it has it has to be part of it. The bootlegs, those kinds of things. They it, the misdirection has to be part. 
but for misdirection to work, it's got to You got to you got to you got to have some credit to it. So if you start running the football and you're not, you know, you're getting minus one, minus two, minus three, that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's not going to work. We the the Vikings offense we 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 played so poorly against Dallas, and, and one we just played their game, right? We did nothing to take them out of their game, and we averaged. Um, on third down that night, we averaged about third and 13, mm. right? So you got Micah Parsons and, you know, it, yeah, you're going to let those guys for what third, how many third downs are there? 13, 14 mm-hmm. for, for that many plays. And when you're up by, you know, when you're up by two scores or whatever, just pin their ears back and rush the passer. Right. I mean, you can't, you, you just can't do that. Um, so they did a much better job against New England. And a lot of that was just being, efficient on first and second down right if the vikings are facing third and four third and five uh you know yeah we can live with that but if it's if you're getting us in third and sevens third and eights third and nines it, yeah it could be it could, again yeah it could be another long night the other thing or was, afternoon i don't know when the game's at noon yeah the other thing that was interesting too is they do a lot of the bunch formation so i know the rams always did that first they did a lot of the three receiver sets with the bunches but the vikings actually mm-hmm. did it where they put Co- sometimes i see cook hawkinson and either Thielen or KJ Osborne, like they do it a lot of different ways too, which yeah, is they very do. interesting. The, they do. And, and, you know, the motioning of a back in and out of the backfield, you line up an empty and you just go see, you look and see, is, is there a linebacker walked out covering them or is it a, it, or did the corner bump out? Cause if they bump out, you know, it's zone. If, if the linebacker goes out, then, you know, it's man to man motioning, uh, you know, pre-snap shifting those, those bunch formations and all of that, it's all, it's all designed to tell one game. It's designed to tell one game is designed to actually do something. If you guys, if they expect a lot of man to man, then yeah, I expect a lot of those bunch routes um, because it's, you know, the DBs have to be able to pass things off. You can't just play cat coverage and just fight through picks and fight through all those other things. So um, yeah, I mean, wheel routes out of the backfield, stuff like that. Those are all, I mean, those are all your stereotypical man-to-man type, you know, beating plays. And that's, you saw that, um, yeah, you saw that. It was either in the Super, no, it was either in the, yeah, it was in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was in the Super Bowl. It was a huge third down. They motioned the, they motioned the, the running back out of the backfield and saw the linebacker walk out on him, and then they just ran kind of a wheel route with him, mm. and they got a big first down against Cincinnati. So uh, that's, that's just that style. So we'll West see. Coast offense. Uh, we are talking to former Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio network analyst Pete Persick. Last question for us. I know you're busy. I know you're getting ready for Sunday. We really appreciate all the time as always. Yeah, it's 10 o'clock. I'm getting ready for bed. <laughs> well, we're, we're just about to uh, – we have another hour of this show. Yeah, but you're just getting warmed up. Yeah, huh? we are. Trust me, you have no idea how warmed up we're going to get. But <laughs> – but, uh, Errol's, Errol's been getting warmed up for the matchup for the last month. <laughs> he circled yeah. this Vikings game know, down on I know. Like, look, what, look at him. Watch until the Jets' defense <laughs> plays the Vikings. He wore the – he wore the – he did you're about you're 200 damn right. push-ups. <laughs> he did about 200 push-ups before I he do got 400 here. push-ups. Every day, man. Get the, so get the shine, yeah. get the sheen going. You know, <laughs> Errol's trying to catch up. Errol's trying to catch up an upper body size to Kevin Williams. Yeah, exactly. He's well. The tats hold nice on. and shiny and dark. Hold, hold on and, one yeah. second. So I, 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 I we've I, I've interviewed Justin Tuck a couple of times. Okay, and okay. Justin Tuck's a nice guy, and 
I said, okay, standing next to Justin Tuck, he hasn't really worked out as much as he used to as a player. I've told all the guys on the radio show, standing next to him, he's a lot taller than I am. Mm-hmm. But size-wise, I'm just as big as he is. So mm-hmm. these guys look at me and they tell me, you think you're as big as Justin Tuck? I said, I don't know. I'm, five, I'm 5'10". I'm 230 pounds. I'm pretty big. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And Justin Tuck, I've asked Justin. when I've interviewed him a couple of times. I said, Justin, how tall are you? He says, I'm 6'4", maybe 6'5". And I said, okay, how much do you weigh? And he says, uh, I think at the time after he retired, about 245, 248 pounds. So he's only yeah. 18 pounds bigger than me. I mean, heavier than I am. And he's like, Seven inches taller than me. Right. So, yeah, I think he, I'm bigger than him. So this guy, because he's in love with Justin Tuck, okay, <laughs> absolutely adores the guy. When I said that, he says, you think you're bigger than Justin? I didn't say I was bigger. I said, I think I'm more wider and put together than he is now because he's not playing in the NFL anymore. And, he, right. and everybody looked at me like I had six heads, man. Six heads. And yeah, I, it's I mean, whatever. Whatever. I mean, it's the different, and that's. Yeah, it's the thing is, is what Tuck can do when he's in a three point stance and how uh, yes. quick he is, and how fast he can run. Right? That's what made you know. That's what that's yes. what makes these guys. Yes. So, but you're right. The the um yeah the league has changed a ton, and these guys the the, the defensive linemen and especially the outside linebackers and they they look the ends they look like ridiculous just big basketball yeah. players. Mm-hmm. They're they're long. They need long so they can get the separation but they still need to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Zedarius Smith, who mm-hmm. is, is one quickly, he's one of my favorites. He's, he's, you know, he's just big, mm-hmm. right? He's not 300 and whatever. He's just, his hands are yeah, huge. He's just yeah. strong, right? He's got this big, deep voice. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, that's, that's a guy I want lined up next to me. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Cause he, he's, yeah, he's, he's definitely, He's definitely a just a big, strong, tough type of a guy. Um, but yeah, they're just different. They're not. You don't see the six foot two muscle hamsters anymore. No. Right? You got to be able to move, man. You got to be able to run now. And and um, so I don't. You know. I, yeah. You maybe you are. Well, are you bigger? When you say bigger, do you mean size wise? You size, mean like size, you a not following on Twitter? No, um, you know, you I don't a, have a bigger a, following. A bigger audience. Than him, no. I mean, I, I don't. I don't, I, I don't know. First of all, don't throw me under the bus, Pete. Okay, you're I, the one a... that said it. How am I throwing you under the bus? I'm not throwing I'm just, you under the bus. I'm, at trying, all. I'm to trying to stick to up. You. I'm trying to stick up for myself over here, and I have uh, you know everybody attacking me when I say I'm you know. And Justin probably giggled when I said that to him too. By the way, but you know it's okay. It's hey, okay. I, you know, I think I think when <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like um, I got all my working out done when I was playing. Right? It's like of I'm, course. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You know, and you. It, and you learn that you, no matter how big you are, there's always somebody bigger. Hundred percent. Always somebody bigger. Hundred percent. Right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Not, I'm surprised that Justin Tuck didn't rip a vein out of your neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I, I, mean? I. I think Justin, after he, knowing that I'm, uh, you know, a champion boxer and MMA fighter, I don't. I don't think Justin wants to grab me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't worry. Yeah, no, don't worry. Pete. We, we, we we actually interviewed we actually interviewed Sean Merriman, who has a he has a, he has a lights out uh, boxing UFC where were you, company. Where were you when Romanowski was around? <laughs> Me? Where Not were a lot. you? Romanowski would want to would want to he you know he'd want to fight. 
Well, Where I mean, you back in that uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, that and shooting himself <laughs> in the ass a million times. <laughs> so that's where Plaxico Burris got it from. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> oh, man. That's but anyway, you know what? That's uh, that, the Plexico Burris thing. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite stories of all time, because I know Paul Allen and I were we were in New York. He's playing with the Giants and. We met with the PR guy who comes in because the PR guys from the other teams come in. They always ask, "Give any questions uh, on pronunciation, pronunciations, anything like that?" And we're like, "Yeah, okay. So is it Plexico or Plaxico Burris?" And he goes, "Well, he goes by both." <laughs> like, no, we can't. Like, what are you going to have Paul call him one thing and me the other? It's like, no, we need to know what you know officially. And it's a big deal, I think. I think behind. Behind the scenes, people know, but it's a big deal that um, we pronounce, you know, pronounce people's names properly. We, mm-hmm. you know, we owe them that. We owe them that respect, and we'd like to pronounce the names the right way. And when you have a guy go, yeah, it's eh, Plexico, Plexico, whatever, you know, it's like eh, tomato, tomato. It's like, oh my god, it was. Don't ask me was, how to pronounce a name. I am the worst. Okay, yeah. uh, if there was a hockey, we've had hockey players on the show. And oh yeah, forget that. Uh, it's, I, I have been so bad. I've brutally murdered their names. So, and they're like, uh, no, that's not how you pronounce it. It's, and they try to sound speedy always tries to like, give me the punctuation before I, mm-hmm. I I'm ready to interview these guys. And he's like, this is, a, and sometimes I just completely blop it. Okay. My it's favorite, just, my favorite, my probably one of my favorite players, you know, of all time is Halapula Vati Vaitai. Yes. I cannot right. pronounce and, that. And Don't he ask was with me. The, he was with the Eagles back in, I think it was 18, yeah. 2018, with mm-hmm. the NFC Championship game, and he went to Detroit. And I remember when he when they traded him to Detroit, or he went to, I don't know if he was traded or free agent, I, I got on Twitter, and I'm like, now I get to say his name twice <laughs> a year. Right? And I'll literally sing it when I'm on the radio. I will. It's, you should I challenge just, yourself. It's like, it just took, it took, you know, the first time you saw it, you're like, "Really, Alakulavati?" <laughs> okay, and you know, and you just keep saying it and saying it. it's just, yeah, it's the best. You should well, challenge yourself you know. next time the Vikings play the Buccaneers. You should search Vita Vea's real name, his like Hawaiian name, which is like 20 letters long, and try to pronounce that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's God. it's the names are the names are are, and yeah, you just can't you can't just because I you try to spell things off phonetically and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and you know, you look at the you, you listen to them, you can listen to them, say their names, and then how it's spelled out on the flip card is different. Mm-hmm. So then you go, like I said, you go see the PR person and they're like, ah, you know, Plexico, Plexico, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> tomato, like, tomato, oh, you know, exactly. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It whatever. doesn't matter. Whatever. Pete, we really so. appreciate you joining us. Uh, you're a busy man. Uh, good luck this weekend. Go yeah, Jets. It's be fun. <laughs> go Jets. Uh, hopefully we... We get our eighth win, and uh, I'm yeah. smiling. We get on, get you on the show during the playoffs, and and maybe we'll see. Who we'll knows? see how well white. We'll see how yes. well white 100%. can execute an offense. Yes. You know, and the, with the crowd noise and everything else. Hundred percent. By helps. the way, your so, crowd we'll noise over there has been loud. I I, I couldn't yeah, believe it's... it when I watched the game against the New England Patriots. How loud the Minnesota Viking fans are over there! It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a it's a small stadium. It's not huge. I mean, it's big, but it's not it's not Arizona big. It's not Dallas big, um, but it gets it gets loud. You know, the old Metrodome used to get ridiculous. Yeah. My ear, you know, my ears would ring the day after a game, and not <laughs> it's not from getting hit. It was just from all the crowd noise. So um, it does it does get loud, and 
you know, we, like I said, that's, we lost some momentum with the Dallas game. We really did. You did. You know, a lot of fans, because the fans up here are snake bit, right? Yeah. For, you know, four Super Bowls, no wins, you know, here we go again, that whole, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and rightfully so, they, when things don't look right, they, they get quiet, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so Dallas did that, but the way the offense played against New England, yeah, you're absolutely right. That stadium got, got loud and hopefully that'll be a big advantage. I think it's going to be really, really fun. I'm, I, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, good luck, and we'll talk to you Thank soon, you. my friend. All right, man. Anytime. See ya. Pete Bursick, fantastic personality, uh, former Vikings linebacker, current Vikings radio network analyst. I can't wait to listen to him in his broadcast on Sunday. Um, I will definitely be tuning in to that. And maybe he'll give us some credit. Maybe he'll give us some credit oh, for giving yeah. him some initial information. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's fantastic. Really great personality. And uh, happy to have him on, as always. Made him laugh. Told it. We both told each other some good stories. And uh, uh, we had a little bit of laughs. So uh, thank you for thank you for, for Pete uh, and, and, and joining us. At least the Jets, at least the, at least the Jets would play them. We'll, we'll play them <laughs> closer, most likely, because mm-hmm. he was bringing up Flexi Comparis and stuff with the Giants all the past. The Vikings owned the Giants for so the longest did, time. So did you hear about Sean Payton predicting a huge change in the NFL draft system? Did you hear yeah, about that? Yeah, I did hear about that. And I, I don't know if it's something that's necessarily going to matter much, because the NFL tiebreaker system, there's a lot of them. There's like 11 tiebreakers before there's eventually just a coin flip. But they're going to... They're going they're going to waive it and have a lottery. And I, yeah. I think it's affected, you know, all these professional sports. It, it affected the NHL. It's, fact, it, it's affected, obviously, baseball's doing it now. And, and, and NBA's been doing it forever. I, I don't like it because you don't know what is fair and what is not fair. You don't know if the, the leagues are helping teams uh, out, especially sure. teams that are in big cities and in specific areas. So... I don't like this. And if it is true, and Sean Payton is saying this to be true, it ruins the game of football. How could you how could you sell to me that you're even though you're a top ten you're a top ten worst team in the league and, and you're expected to be the number one pick, you could fall all the way out to number eight or number seven, where there's a star quarterback sitting there at one and you've been waiting for him and you've been waiting for that type of player for years to, to rejuvenate uh your your franchise, and then all of a sudden you fall out of it because of a lottery. It doesn't make sense. I don't think the NFL should do this. But again, it, it, every league, it's a copycat league. And and with every every league doing it now, the NHL doing it, baseball just started doing it, everybody's doing it now. It, it, to me, it, it's becoming unfair. Baseball's doing it now too, right? Baseball's doing it where they're they're doing it, but they're also rewarding they're rewarding teams that get award winners within their rookies too. So if they could get it with a late round pick too, and still call the guy up and get the rookie system, they'll be rewarded with extra draft picks too. Yeah, I I don't like the way the leagues are changing everything. It doesn't make sense. Um, I respect Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton knows something that we don't. But, again, he is spreading the wealth right now because he wants to show the fans and and show the teams that losing as bad as you are and losing every single year the way you are doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the star quarterback, the star offensive lineman, defensive tackle, or the pass rusher that you've been waiting to get, uh, being that you decided to lose out for the rest of the season. I I just – 
I don't like this. Yeah, if you're if you're thinking of the way it works, definitely because in the NBA and the NHL, it definitely has been indicative. <laughs> there have been some teams that have gotten number one picks a lot, and I think if that pattern definitely if that pattern definitely continues with the NFL, yeah, you could definitely see where there's a flaw in it. Now, I just think that the tiebreaker scenarios, just because there's so many of them, there's a lot of five win teams every year. There's a mm-hmm. lot of six win teams every year, so it's there's always going to be some level of randomness with how the tiebreakers were because especially with the draft circumstances too, you're dealing with teams out of conference too. So let's say there's hypothetically speaking, the Falcons, the Lions, and the Jaguars, for example, yep. all tie of six wins. Like that you're not getting a conference tiebreaker, a common schedule, stuff like you would get in the season. And that's where it makes it more random too. So I don't know how much of an impact it'll necessarily have when it comes to that. Yeah, you're right. The one win team like say the Texans this year will get screwed in that case if they have to pick third or something like that. But I think there's enough teams like four through ten where it might not matter as much. It's very interesting and, and again this is the way um, all these leagues are starting to copycat one of the, one another. It, it, does it make sense? Does it really fall in in position that it, it's going to help the league? I think it's going to make the league worse. It's going to make teams obviously um, get upset about this. And, and, and these owners, I, I don't know how the owners would agree to this. I, I, I don't like it. I, I, I didn't like the way the NBA is making this. Uh, look at the Knicks. Right. The Knicks have, you know, year in and year out for for years, they were one of the three or the two worst teams in the NBA. And honestly, they should have got, they should have received at least one, one or two in the draft. Right. And because they didn't, and because the NBA just can't stand them, they fall to eight, they fall to nine, and they don't get anybody good, or they don't get the player that they thought they were going to get, being that they were the second or third worst team. And who knows if the Knicks got a top two, top three player, maybe one or two years, the years that they had those bad years, maybe the Knicks aren't this bad. Maybe the Knicks are one of the powerhouses in the NBA. I don't like this, and I I, I hope this isn't true. I hope Sean Payton is wrong about this, but something tells me he's not. No, it definitely could happen, but you're right. If, it, if they do end up rigging it where they have all these teams that are just, they're just trying to save, they're just trying to make it work for them, and other teams get screwed, it's not going to be a good look for that kind yep. of thing. Again, it's just going to be very tough. The NBA and the NHL, the drasticness is different just because of the number of games, too. Like The worst team in the league sometimes is the worst team in the league by five games. Like In the NFL, that's not going to happen. LeBron James attacks Jerry Jones' segregation photo. From like 60 years ago. Okay. 1957. Now I'm going to say this. And I'm going to be very nice about this. Because I don't want to get into this. This isn't. um, This isn't a back and forth attack. To any culture. Any thought of different thoughts. To racism. Anti-Semitic attacks. Or any of that. Religious attacks. Whatever. Okay. Or political attacks. LeBron James, okay, who I have spoken out about about a week and a half ago when he spoke out about Kyrie Irving, that people should forget about this, that Kyrie, how long does Kyrie Irving have to sit out? I, I mean, he, he's done enough. He's done, you know, he's been through enough through the situation he's been through where he should be allowed to play. They're taking it overboard. For him to say that, when Kyrie Irving was promoting an anti-Semitic film and in doing the things that he did on and off the court, including not apologizing to the Jewish community, which, by the way, he plays in, is disgraceful. LeBron James is an absolute joke. 
Personally, I think he's a fantastic basketball player. Personally, I respect what he has done in you know in the political in his political thoughts and helping you know organizations and people go to college. I love what he's doing when it comes to that. But when he speaks about something he doesn't understand, when he speaks about protecting his own thoughts to what he believes in, to me, it's an absolutely embarrassing statement. Now, I, I understand that Jerry Jones was raised by, you know, obviously he's from down south. He comes from probably a racist family. Like Arkansas. Where he yeah, he, yeah, a racist family, maybe. He was brought up that way. He was 14 years old. He was 13 years old. He's still growing up, trying to figure out who he is as a man. How could you attack him for wearing a segregation, what was it, a segregation flag or Yeah, he's shirt? part of a protest. A yeah. protest? I, I mean, honestly, he was a kid. He was a teenager. Do I think Jerry Jones is a racist man? I don't. Do do I think that Jerry Jones understood or uh, won't uh, or hasn't apologized for this photo to air, you know, obviously reach to the political eye? You know he has. For him to you know obviously LeBron James to attack him when first of all he has nothing to do with football, one. Number two, Jerry Jones hasn't said anything on and off the field that disrespects, you know, African-Americans or any kind of culture. He hasn't said anything. Have you heard him? Nope. I haven't heard anything either. Why is LeBron James speaking? How about attack your buddy over there in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. How about that? How about attack your buddy in Brooklyn after he took shots about Jewish people and his anti-Semitic thoughts? Why all of a sudden... You got something to say about somebody that 60 years ago was protesting something that has nothing to do with him today. Yeah. At least do both, too. If you want to do both, attack Kyrie Irving and Jerry Jones, but don't pick one or the other. It's the same kind of no, thing. No, because you want to know something. I don't know what he is thinking in his head. I'm not going to put you know my own thoughts in my mind about no. who LeBron James is and right. what he believes in. But to me, it's a joke. He is a joke. And he needs to keep his mouth shut. Concentrate on the basketball court. Concentrate on your basketball team, which is almost dead last. How about that? Concentrate on what you're doing when it comes to helping the communities out. Not only for the millions and billions of dollars you're bringing in through production, your your athletic shoe deals, or whatever you're doing. Okay, uh, sticking up for China the way you've done, you have over the last couple of years because you're a superstar over there in China, and you don't want anybody to speak about something that's putting you and bringing you money and burning burning holes in your pocket. Okay, but when it comes to an anti-Semitic film, you have nothing to say. You have nothing good to say about it. Okay, LeBron, keep your mouth shut. Concentrate on basketball. Okay, I don't want to hear it anymore. I stuck up for you. I've stuck up for everything that you believed in over the last couple of years. And then all of a sudden this thing comes out and you have your own thoughts to it. I I don't understand these athletes. Concentrate on the basketball game. Concentrate on your game. Stop bringing, you know, stories up from 60 years ago. Was Jerry Jones right? He's absolutely wrong doing what he did when he was 13 years old. He was a kid. 
Yeah. And again, you sound like Kyrie Irving when you say, all right, you're going to you're going to attack Jerry Jones of a photo from that long ago, which yeah, it's wrong. Nobody's saying nobody's 100% defend, nobody's wrong. defending what he did. You don't think he's defending himself for no. what he did? Right. But again, you also have to shell out blame of, of Kyrie Irving too. And you sound like Kyrie Irving when you say that kind of thing because Kyrie Irving was doing the same things at his stupid press conferences. Uh, oh, uh, the blacks were the real Jews and stuff like that. Like, no, they're both bad. Attack them both the same or don't say anything at all. Uh, yeah, but you, you see, it's all about his buddy. It's all about uh, uh, Kyrie's his buddy or uh, Kevin Durant is his buddy. No, nobody, nobody wants to speak out for the culture that was insulted. Okay, right. it, it, it's despicable. It is an absolute disgrace. I didn't even want to talk about this again on this radio show or talk about it th- this on the radio show. But you want to know something? I sit here today and respectfully disagree with LeBron James. Disagree. I do not blame Jerry Jones on what he did 60 years ago as a teenager. Okay? And I'm sure Jerry is... Uh, upset that that picture obviously uh, hit the you know airwaves and, and, and social media waves. Right. I'm sure he is going to apologize from it. But to sit here and just throw this old man to the wolves because you don't like it, because you're the great LeBron James, you are a disgrace to the game of basketball, okay? You are. Play your damn basketball game. Okay? That's all I care about. I want to see what you do on a basketball court. I don't want to hear about what your political thoughts are, your religious thoughts are. I don't want to hear Kyrie Irving. I don't want to hear anybody else. Play the game. Play your game. And then after the season, then we could talk about your religious political thoughts when it means nothing. Nothing to anybody. That's all I'm going to say about that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, the Yankees and the Giants are 50-50 on landing Aaron Judge. Now, I, I think it's just between the Yankees and the Giants now. I, I, I think I think Aaron's behind, you know, between these two teams. A lot of people believe that Aaron wants to go home. His family lives in the Bay Area. Uh, he was raised in the Bay Area. He grew up a San Francisco Giants fan. He grew up. Uh, obviously a Barry Bonds fan. It's going to be very, very hard for the Giants to pry Aaron Judge away from the Yankees. I, I think, and I, I think the Yankees are a little crazy if they're going to overpay him because they don't want to lose him. But I, I can't see a Steinbrenner family losing their guy, their guy that they drafted years and years ago, took the time built him up in the farm system, and then brought him up for the last five years, and he's become one of the better players in the in, in the MLB. I can't see it. If if they lose him, that is not Steinbrenner-like. That's not something they do when they have a star of this magnitude. Everybody's going to say, well, what about Robinson Cano? Robinson Cano is not the same player Aaron Judge is. He's not. Now, Robinson Cano was one of the best second basemen in the league. Maybe the Yankees knew that he was on steroids. I, I don't know. But something tells me they probably did. And they just wanted to unleash or release the facts that were going to come out from this organization after dealing with Alex Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. 
I, I mean, I, there's something more entailed into it that didn't make any sense on why they decided to take Jacoby Ellsbury over Robinson Cano. Were they right about both one or the other? They both sucked, okay? But nevertheless, Robinson Cano was part of their organization. They drafted Robinson Cano. <laughs> Jacoby Ellsbury was a complete bust. And what, probably the worst move that Brian Cashman has ever done as a Yankee GM. Oh, yeah. But I don't think the Yankees want to lose him. I think they're going to do everything they possibly can to keep him. Do I think they're wrong about this? Only time will tell. I If I was the Yankees GM, I'd let him go. I, I let him go to San Francisco. I'd sit back. I'd try to build around youth, see what my youth is, and then wait until next year. And if my youth isn't good enough, we go after Otani, Soto, or maybe both of them. That makes a lot of sense for the Yankees. Save the money this offseason. If you want to add a pitcher, which they've heard, I've heard they say that they're going to, and, and maybe a relief pitcher here and a relief pitcher there. Their bullpen, if they stay healthy this year, it's a pretty good bullpen. Or even a trade, too. Yeah. A guy that has an expiring contract yeah. too, just to get depth so they yeah. can make the money work. And that's what they'll have to do if they bring in Aaron Judge for that amount of money. Yeah, I just think it's it's a crazy move by the Yankees. But again, it's their guy. So I think it's more 60-40 Yankees. That's where I think it is. I, I think the Yankees are waiting to see what San Francisco is offering them. I think Aaron Judge is sitting back. He's going to wait until the holidays is over, or maybe a week before the holidays. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And announce that he is going to go here or there. And then all of the the floodgates are going to open up for the MLB. Right. I, I, that's what I think is going to happen. Because I also think you're looking at – Next week starts the official winter meetings too, which there's going to be some kind of process within that too. They want Aaron Judge wants the money. He's going to want to entice a bidding war, and you never know what these other teams are going to get involved into. It might be fifty fifty Giants and the Yankees, and yeah, that's probably going to be the case. I would give them that probability as well, where the the rest of the field is probably like a two or three percent chance type thing. But Aaron Judge is going to want the money. This is his last contract, whether he gets it as a five year and forty five a year, or he gets it as an eight year and the three hundred thirty million dollars or something like that, he's going to want to entice some kind of bidding war. I would probably say it's more 60-40 Giants, which is fine, but I, again, it's a, t- it's a tight percentage as it is between those two teams because the Yankees and um, Randy Levine have said that they're not going to get outbid that easily. No, and, and, and I think that San Francisco is going to offer them the most money, but I think with the way Aaron Judge is, the Yankees aren't going to get a discount, but I no. think he's going to decide where he wants to be and, and where the fan base or who he sees himself to finish his career playing for. I, I think um, the Yankee fans have really given him a lot of, you know, abuse in the playoffs because he couldn't hit in the playoffs. But yeah. nevertheless, the Yankees uh, and the fans really adore him here in New York. And I think he knows that. And I think one way or another, he is going to decide to stay. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes San Francisco. But something tells me I think he's just waiting to announce where he, I think he already knows where he's going. I, I really do believe it. I don't think he's I think he's just sitting back, you know, with him and his family yeah. waiting closer to the holidays and saying, you know what, let's announce it now and let's get it over with. That's what I'm thinking, too. Probably maybe after the holidays or something like that. It could be either after the holidays or before the holidays. OK, that's where I think it's going to be. And. <laughs> winter meetings start very soon. Yeah, next week, I think on Tuesday or something like that. So there's a lot of interesting thoughts to where Aaron Judge is going to sign. I, I think everything, all the floodgates will open up 
when that happens. By the way, Tampa makes their biggest move in a very long time. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays add Zach Eflin. Ooh. Right. Reach an agreement, three years, $40 million, which is the most, the biggest contract they've given up to a free agent in history, which is crazy. Wow. $40 million hmm. to a free agent. Yeah. Not was, their own player. No, I know. Free agent. No, 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 I know, because they just gave Juan Franco that big contract. So, yeah, that would be the biggest one, I think, of all time for, mm-hmm. for the Rays franchise history. Largest free agent contract from the Rays in history. Wow, that it's weird to think <laughs> that would be like a sixteen million per year or something like that. Or uh, how oh, good is this guy? Uh, he's he's been a good like hybrid reliever starter type. He was a back end of the Phillies rotation for the last few years. But again, once they once they got Kyle Gibson, they traded for Noah Syndergaard. There was really no spot for him at that point this year, so they used him out of the bullpen a lot this year, where he strived. He, that was a big reason the Phillies bullpen was able to turn it around because he was doing a lot in the those those middle innings. And Kevin Cash, you know, he loves to be very creative with mm-hmm. those pitches. Too, he's going to use him in that kind of role too. So he's going to the Rays are going to trust that they can rebirth and they've done very well with pitching. Just a really a pitching factory between their own pitchers and guys that didn't get their chances all the time because he was brought up as a starter too. So he can pitch in every role. That's what the Rays love. By the way, another story: uh, Michigan running back Blake Corum to undergo knee surgery. Yeah, for the year. So he's out for the year. Heisman Trophy candidate. Still can win the Heisman. I, I still think he's capable of win the Heisman. He's only missing one game. Right. But that sucks for Michigan because they need him for that playoff. Yep. Uh, he's one of their big offensive, you know, players. And and obviously, I think he's he's going to the draft this year. Am I not mistaken? I think so. I, I am not 100% sure. But, again, Alpha's kind of injury, too. He might want to play one more year. I don't know. It's tough to tell. I don't think so. I think, he, I think he's eligible, though, this year. I think he is eligible. So, yeah, again. I don't think the, he's – wait, no, this is – this is his third year. He's third eligible. Year. Okay. Yeah, he's eligible. Though. He's yeah. eligible, so I can't see him going to play another year. I mean, he's had a breakout year, 11 touchdowns, 1,228 yards. He's one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah. Why would he Why would he play another year when he has a chance to – a knee surgery, that's not going to hurt him. Uh, that's not I, – I don't think it's a major – I don't think it's an ACL tear. So uh, it doesn't. Yeah, see- it'll depend on how he comes back with the combine too, and it, it might not hurt his stock too badly. The running back stock's already fallen in the league, just as it is. So. It doesn't say what kind of surgery it is, but I don't. I don't think it's a major like ACL tear. I think it's. More of a like a meniscus or something like that. That's what I, that's what I was hearing that uh, he the announcers were saying during the Ohio State Michigan game was that's what he was holding. And that you know that's six weeks, eight weeks. He'll be fine. He'll be ready for the combine. He'll be ready for everything. I, I think he'll be fine. So it's just uh, a tricky market with running backs, just as it is, because they don't get somebody early anymore. I, I'm telling you, the Buffalo Bills get their hands on this kid. Forget it. I mean, they need a running back. This guy's a star running back. He he is. And he, he's going somewhere. Even if it's in the second round, early second round. That's what I'm thinking. Somebody's going to draft this kid, and this kid's going to be a star. He's a stud. So it's going to be very, very interesting. I'm not surprised, but uh, uh, crazy story, by the way. It really hurts Michigan's chances of winning a national championship. Right. So uh, there you go. Uh, we have the United States soccer team. Yes, I have to announce this. Uh, the round of 16, uh, Saturday against the Netherlands. Uh, they have a chance to really, you know, station themselves as a world power if somehow they come out 
beating the Netherlands uh, on Saturday morning. I think it's Saturday morning. Yeah, it's a 10 a.m. game. <laughs> yeah, a, so. They've, the, the, the time zone differences, they've scheduled a lot more really early in the morning, which I don't remember them doing in the last one, despite it being in Russia, which is very similar time zone-wise to Qatar. I think they're only one time zone apart, but still. Yeah, a lot of the morning games, too. But they played the Netherlands in, I think, they, the round of 8 or 16, whatever the last one was in 2014, too, and they played them close. The Netherlands have been consistently a top four and top eight team the last three, so it's going to be a very tough test. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills win tonight against the Patriots. Absolutely tortured the Patriots. I think the Patriots are done. Okay, As far as the playoffs are concerned, losing this game, this is a big game, and everybody keeps talking about the Jets and seven of... Uh, the fact that the Patriots are six and six, I mean, the Jets are seven and four. The Jets have to lose two games for the Patriots to, you know, to even come close to sneaking into the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen. It's not the Jets. It's not only the Jets they have to worry about yeah. too. It's the Chargers yeah. too. Uh, and and by the way, you see Josh Allen. He's doing an interview uh, with uh, wearing a Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey. Nice. Uh, so uh, what a guy. It, I, I like Josh Allen. I really do. I think he's a, a special player. I think he's a great talent. Uh, I do believe he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL and um, was an MVP candidate. Uh, the last couple of weeks have kind of pushed him out. Yeah, the turnovers. It, it's it's definitely not going to be him this year. I think it's between Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and and uh, who would be two the would guy? probably be the next two. Guy. Yeah, yeah, I think those. But are the two three would also guys. miss two games too, so that doesn't help him. I, I think it's Jalen Hurts and. Patrick Mahomes, Probably, and, I, yeah. and I think it's Jalen Hurts right now. If you would ask me who the MVP of the league is, it's Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's played hurt. He, he's he, he's really been the best. He's been on the best team in the NFL, and he's one of the reasons why they're the best team in the NFL. The only thing that might hurt his case is the running backs have gotten a lot of touchdowns and stolen a lot of his red zone touchdowns. I don't think it matters after what he ran last week. Oh, yeah. 150 and a half. It's ridiculous. I I mean, the guy has been unbelievable. Uh, You know, because he's on your fantasy team. Yeah, two of my fantasy teams. And he had 150 rushing yards in the first half with 150 passing yards. He's the first one in NFL history to do that in a half. It's unbelievable. He's turned out to be some... Some player. I, I mean, if you're an Eagles fan, you have yourself a, a fantastic young team with arguably one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL running your organization now. It, it's it's fun. It's fun to watch. Uh, nobody could sit here and tell me that Jalen Hurts isn't a quality quarterback in this league. And if you do, then you don't know what you're watching, okay? Because this kid is fun to watch. He's exciting. He plays hurt. He's one of the strongest quarterbacks in the league. I heard he squats like 600. Wow. I mean, uh, the guy is unbelievable. And uh, will the Eagles be looking for a quarterback in the offseason? Please do, because as a Jet fan, I would love Jalen Hurts. Okay? Anyone would. I think there's a lot of teams that would trade their quarterback for Jalen Hurts right now, the way he's played. So I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care. If you if you think you need a quarterback, I mean uh, – let Joe Douglas knock on the door with Rosen, and uh, they're very good friends. I think the Jets would absolutely adore bringing in a Jalen Hurts to this team. Uh, yeah, uh, to me, I, there's no way they're letting him go, and there's no way they're going to be looking for a quarterback. Uh, expect Anderson, if he's sitting there at three, that's where they go. Uh, could you Unless imagine? the Seahawks draft him first, because they could, could draft you, for the Broncos could pick you, him number two. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Anderson and Jordan Davis on the same line for the oh next boy. twenty, that next fifteen? Yeah, years? that'd be a bunch of nightmares for Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas. That's for sure. I mean, especially yeah, definitely in the, in the Giants division, seeing them twice a year. 
I mean, that's scary. I mean, Come on, really. Saints. Get some wins. <laughs> we'll see. They got to win this week. And guess who they're playing? Yeah, they're playing the Buccaneers. That's right. Tom Brady and the Bucks, who lost last week against the Browns. Uh, Which, by the way, I got the score pick exactly right. I did. I got the Buccaneers last week, unfortunately. Kills me, baby. Kills me. Well, anyways. Ah, uh, so... Speedy, you ready to go through our picks? All right, let's go through our picks. Uh, no Derek this week. He is uh, busy with some Shout work. out to Mr. Mountain. Yes, but we do have. Keep studying, baby. But we do have his picks that I will reveal before my picks uh, for each of these games. For uh, for that, so you had the Bills tonight, I'm assuming? Yes, I did. Okay, good. So, yeah, I had the Bills. I had them 27-17 and ended up finishing 24-10. I had the Bell- Bills 27-20. Okay. All right, we'll start with the Battle of the Wildcats, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Detroit Lions. The Lions one-point favorites in this one. Uh, Derek has the Jaguars in this one, and I'm agreeing with him. I'm going to take the Jaguars as well. I like their receiving core matchup against the secondary of the Lions with still no, with Okuda still hurt, or Awari still hurt. Okuda's been playing hurt a lot of the time, but their secondary depth has not been as good. Uh, ETN, we'll see if he plays, but Jamichael Hasty did look good last week, and the Lions still with Swift not being 100% healthy, too. That could hurt them as well. So I'll take the Jaguars. I think they win it close. High-scoring game, 34-31. to 31. I like what I've seen with the Lions. I really like them at home. Uh, yes, they're fighting injuries. So are the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and, and Jacksonville going into Detroit, traveling to Detroit, I mean, it's still a, a pretty di- pretty deep distance. And I, I just think Detroit has played well every single week. They've been in every single game. They're fun team to watch, and I think Campbell has them playing. So I have Detroit winning this game. I think it'll be close, 20 to 14. All right, next game, the Washington Commanders at the New York Giants. The Commanders are two-point favorites in this one. Derek has the Commanders in this one. Uh, I'm going to take my team here. I'll take the Giants. I've picked against them a lot, but this, is, I think, is a too hot for Washington. I think they're due to lose at some point. They've been well, won six of their last seven games. Uh, Giants had a long week uh, coming off the loss against the Cowboys. They get a little healthier. Evan Neal's coming back. Evan, Aziz Ojolari might come back this week as well. And I think the Giants secondary has played, even though they didn't play great against the Cowboys, I think they've still played better amidst all those injuries. And I think they'll be able to run Washington, but I think the Giants will be able to just do a little more in this game. I think it'll be close, low scoring, 2017. This game is so very interesting, and I know Washington's played so well the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're fun, and uh, obviously the secondary uh, for the Giants don't really scare me, especially losing Jackson for a significant, significant amount of time. Uh, but I have the Giants in this game. They're the home team. They need this game. They need the, a divisional game. And, and I think Saquon Barkley is going to be able to run against this defense. This defense, which has played one of the, in the last four weeks, one of the better defenses in the league, I, I think that there is a lot of deficiencies, especially when they run stop when, when it comes to run stopping. So I got the Giants um, twenty to seventeen. All right, next game: the Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. It seems like Aaron Rodgers is playing, even though Matt Lafleur was saying things about shutting him down. It seems like he's going to play at least in this game. My two quarterbacks playing against one another. I don't know who this starts. You should still start Fields. <laughs> Jalen Hurts is right for one hundred fifty yards. Justin Fields could probably do something like that. I would definitely start field for that one. But uh, Derek has the Packers in this one. I have the Packers as well. I do think this is a high-scoring game because the Bears' defense has just been pathetic. And ever, after trading, uh, Quinn and Roquan Smith have just barely got any pressure on the quarterback. Their secondary is all very young. And even though the Packers' receivers aren't great, I think Christian Watson just has a big game, and Aaron Jones does the rest. Christian, Ross, Christian Watson has been a fantastic uh, player. Uh, he's becoming a star right in front of, uh, front of our eyes. And if it's not Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball for the next year or so, it will be Jordan Love. This guy is fun. 
But, um, yeah, I got Green Bay in this game. I, I can't see the Bears winning this game. I, I don't know where do I go where I go with the, uh, the quarterbacks because I think both of them could have good games. Aaron Rodgers has killed Chicago over the years. Home, away, it doesn't matter where it is. He's been their daddy, as we remember him saying. Yes. Um, but maybe this could be a surprise game for Justin Fields and keep this team in. Uh, he has to stay healthy. He has to start throwing the ball like Pete Bursick said. Uh, stop running the ball. Protect his body more. He's not going to be right. in this league long enough. But I've got Green Bay in this game. I think it'll be close, 27-24. Okay, mine was uh, 34-31 Green Bay. All right. Speaking of Pete Bursich, here it comes. The New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings. You ready for this? Derek actually picked the Jets in this one. Oh, Derek, why did you do this <laughs> oh, to me? Oh, boy. Well, now the Vikings uh, are going to win, uh, which I had anyway. I had, oh I had the Vikings win in this game. I think Derek, be... why did you do this to me? Oh, Derek. I, I'm actually surprised. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. He's hoping the Eagles will clinch the number one seed. I, I, I don't know. We'll have to find out his reasoning next week. But uh, I do have the Vikings in this league, for, in this league, in this week, for exactly what Pete was talking about. I think a lot of those other spread formations that we've seen with them use with TJ Hawkins, I do think he will be an impact player in this game. Yeah, and you mentioned, yeah, the Jets might choose sauce on him in the red zone, but I think before that, the Jets are going to be harder for a smaller Michael Carter to be able to use him in those bunch formations. I like Dalvin Cook as a pass catching back in this one. And Sauce and Jefferson will have their battle. I don't think Sauce is going to completely shut him down. Jefferson, in addition to getting all those tough catches, made some catches in double coverage, too, which has been insane, too. And the Jets, I don't, they have Garrett Wilson, I think, a nice game, but I don't know if they have enough deep threats to be able to attack the rest of the Vikings secondary. And that pass rush is still very good. So I'll take the Vikings. Vikings in a close one here, 24-17. This is a statement game for the New York Jets. I, I believe Quentin Williams is going to play a big part defensively in this game. Uh, there's been some problems, especially up the middle, uh, especially against the Cowboys by by the Minnesota Vikings. And, and, and to me, Justin Jefferson has been a lonesome dove. He's been the guy feeling, you know, he shows up, he doesn't show up. And, and Dalvin Cook... I don't know what he is. Uh, this year, he is not the same player he once was. Uh, maybe they just decided not to run the ball and just throw the ball. And as uh, our friend Pete has said, they're going to throw more than they're going to run the ball, which doesn't bode well against the Jets because they have arguably the best corner trio in all of football. I, I believe the Jets are going to win this game. I believe the Jets are going to stay close in this game. It's going to be all about Mike White. And if the Jets could run the ball on the seams, I believe they will. I think they'll control the ball in the fourth quarter and win a game very, very close. Give me the Jets, 21-17. All right, next game, the return of Deshaun Watson to Houston. The Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. The Browns are seven-point favorites in this one. Uh, Derek has Cleveland in this one, and I have Cleveland in this one too. But I, I, here's the disclaimer. I think it'll be more with the running game, though. I don't think it's because Watson will play great. I think he's still a little rusty. That Texan secondary has been very good this year, but their run defense has just been god-awful. This is going to be a big game for Nick Chubb. I know your, your fantasy team will love that. Mm -hmm. And Kareem Hunt, I think, even plays well in this game too. He's had a rough season in comparison to his standards. But I think you can even see Watson run a little bit too. But I don't think his throwing will be back completely yet. I think he'll still be a little rusty. But the Browns do enough to win this game. I'll say 24-14. Yeah, Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, and I say to Sean Watson and the Cleveland Browns because it's his show. He, he he doesn't want to speak about anything that's happened and why he missed practically the whole season. All he wants to do is prove himself on the field and wait until next year where he has a lot to prove because I believe Cleveland is going to be that much better than most teams in their division next year. Uh, this guy is, is, is fun of a player to watch on the field, uh, not so fun off the field. The Houston Texans, his old team, this is 
this is a perfect game to come back and play against. Going back to Houston and and really for all the stupidity that he's done in and out of the you know out of the facilities, why not go into the facilities and put up a 40 sat 40? I think he does. I think this team is so much better with Deshaun Watson with that than without him. Uh, give me Deshaun Watson in the Cleveland Browns 44 to 20. Wow, that's quite a revenge game. Speaking of revenge game, A.J. Brown against his former team, the Tennessee Titans. And if you were shocked about Derek picking the Jets, he also picked against the Eagles. Derek is taking the Titans in this one. Mm. Now, here's the thing. I actually am, too. I, I was hoping he would come on. I thought he would be shocked that I would take the Titans. But I'm actually taking the Titans because here's the thing. A lot of times when you have these players returning their former teams against a team with a good coach, usually the advantage goes to the coach in this one. I think Mike Vrabel will know how to game plan for A.J. Brown, and also I think that defense is going to be it's going to make it harder for Jalen Hurts to run there. An outside rushing defense, they've done well against running quarterbacks, but usually those types of matchups usually go to the coaches, and I think that'll make it harder for Jalen Hurts. They'll have to spread the ball around more, and the, uh, the Eagles in certain games have had trouble stopping the run, too, so I think Derrick Henry plays well. Even Dontrell Hillard, I guess, having a nice game. I'll take Tennessee 23-20. Not a chance in hell. This is the Eagles game to win and not lose. I think Jalen Hurts is going to run all over this defense. I think that this team and, and the prolific offense that they have, it doesn't have to be through A.J. Brown. They have Smith. They have weapons. And this defense is as good a defense as the Tennessee Titans, if not better. Uh, the offensive line is going to be able to protect Jalen Hurts, and he's going to pick them apart. Give me the beautiful, flying-packed Philadelphia Eagles this weekend as they win 24-17. So which are you more shocked about, him picking the Jets or him picking against the Eagles? I, every time, listen, I didn't want him to pick the Jets because it's jinxed, but I still think the Jets are going to win even when he picks it. So, All right. There you go. All right. The Atlanta Falcons hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Derek has Atlanta in this one. I would agree with that. I'll take the Falcons in this one. The Falcons, I thought even losing last week, outplayed the, outplayed the Commanders. Their rushing attack was still very good with Cordero Patterson. And I think they were able to spread the ball around nicely. Drake London did well. Gets a tough secondary. And Najee Harris, not 100% for the Steelers, is going to hurt them. And Atlanta did getting AJ, him and getting AJ Terrell back, I think, will help to contain those receivers. So I'll take the Falcons in this one, 27 to 20. Yeah, I like the Falcons' home team. Uh, I like what they've done so far this year. I, I've been picking against them the last couple of weeks, but something tells me that Atlanta is going to show up in this game. Pittsburgh is still rebuilding. I, I, I don't. Nothing scares me on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. No, I, I like their quarterback. He's young. He's a little bold. I think he needs to get some weapons over there, and when he does, I think he's going to be fun to watch. Um, I also like Pickin, uh, George Pickin. He's played very well this year. Uh, he's fun. They're, they're a fun young team. Still need a lot to rebuild. Um, I like Atlanta in this game. Give me Atlanta uh, 17-10. All right. Last of the 1 o'clock games, the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Denver Broncos at what might be the easiest under of all time. Derek has the Ravens in this one, and I have the Ravens easily. I'm not picking the Broncos against that defense. Good luck with that. I know they've blown fourth-quarter leads, but you can't blow a fourth-quarter lead if you don't have a clock that doesn't know what, a coach that doesn't know how to manage the clock. So there's no problems in this game. I think the Ravens run the ball well, and they win it easily 20-10. to 10. Baltimore's at home. Baltimore's hard to beat at home. Lamar Jackson's is not easy to stop. They don't have much of a pass rush in the last couple of weeks, Denver. They're not the same team they were in the beginning of the season defensively. They're fighting a lot of injury, and let's be honest, 
Russell Wilson is an absolute bust this year. I, I still think Russell Wilson's a good quarterback in this league. They need to find a coach that can help him develop the skills that he needs to succeed over there in Denver. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, give me Baltimore in this game. 24-14. All right. On to the 4 o'clock games. We'll start with the ugly one, the Seattle Seahawks and the L.A. Rams. Derek has Seattle in this one. I have the Seahawks in this one as well. This is, this is going to be like one of those old-school ones that are just very sloppy. I think you're going to see a lot of good, uh, a lot of mistakes, a lot of special teams wackiness. Who the hell is the L.A. Rams quarterback? Bryce Perkins, okay. a dual-threat guy with Virginia. Who, Congratulations. Who was a, they made the ACC championship game with him, but, yeah, not much. As he a, looked a, wonderful last week, <laughs> Not much way. as an NFL quarterback. That being said, their defense has still been tough. I think Bobby Wagner will have a good game against his former team. Talk about revenge games, but Seattle ultimately wins this. I think it's an ugly game. I'm going to take them 19-13. I think this game is an absolute blowout, okay? I, I don't care if it's in L.A., Seattle's just that much better of a team. They look they didn't look that good last week. But Seattle's going to go into LA and they're going to completely zipper the mouths of Sean McVay and that uh, team of just goons. Um, I'm just kidding, by the way. They're not goons. But nevertheless, uh, the Super Bowl champions are going to be Super Bowl out. Uh, Seattle wins the game. Um, you know, Geno Smith has a pretty big game. Uh, th- their corners... I have not played up to par. I don't know what's going on with Jalen Ramsey. He's just not the same corner he once was, making a lot of money. I just We haven't heard him yap all season long. I'm surprised because the defense absolutely sucks. So give me Seattle in this game. I don't think it's close. 30-14. to 14. All right. Next game, the L.A. Chargers against the real team of L.A., the Raiders. Damn it, Derek, you stole my upset. Derek has the Raiders. I'm taking it, too. I'm, I'm going with the upset here. The Chargers' defense has continued to struggle. Uh, and the Raiders' offense has actually picked it up the last couple of weeks, too. You saw them do very well I against Seattle last week. I hope the Raiders win week. as a Jets. Yeah, Seattle looked, uh, they, they did very well, 40 points in overtime in that win. They played well against the Jaguars. And they played well against the Broncos, too, who have a tough defense. They won that game in overtime. And the Chargers' defense really has not been the same without Joey Bosa and a lot of the injuries they've had up front and the injury to J.C. Jackson, too. Now, the Chargers' offense, will keep them in it. Both, I think both these running backs have a big game. Both are coming back next week. Next week, but I don't think this week. So that's going to make it hard. I think Eckler has a good game. Uh, I think the receivers will do well, but Mike Williams still out. It still, I think, will hurt them enough. And these games are always close between the Chargers and the Raiders. I think the Raiders get this one this time. 31-27. I feel bad for Khalil Mack. I really do. I mean, he's the lonesome dove to this defensive line. The only decent player that really has shown up week in and week out. I like Derwin James, but I, I don't know. I, he doesn't look healthy. He really doesn't. This defense doesn't look healthy. But uh, I still think with the Chargers, they need this game really, really bad. And, and, and the Raiders are done. They're not making the playoffs. Uh, they're not. I think the Chargers show up in this game. I like Justin Herbert. I, I, I think he's a fun player to watch. Eckler will be able to run against this defense. This defense is not good whatsoever. I, I think the Chargers win this game. I think it'll be close. Chargers win. 24 uh, 15. All right, you want to go for a revenge game? There's been a lot of bad mouthing this week between the Miami Dolphins and the San Francisco 49ers, where he most. This is the best game of the Jeff week. Jeff Wilson and Trent Sherfield all were taking inadvertent shots. The at two Jimmy big J. games, the two big games this week: San Francisco and Miami, and the Jets in Minnesota. And it's so, it, it, it's so fitting because it's the Jets in Miami fighting for, you know, a playoff spot. That's right. But all those guys taking shots at Jimmy J, definitely creating some beef over there. San Francisco, obviously, with a lot of the ex-coaches now in Miami. Definitely a lot of 
tension going on. Derek has the Niners in this one. I have the Niners in this one as well. I think it's gonna be a, this is going to be a tougher matchup for the Dolphins' run game because, uh, for, well, for one thing, they know Mostert and Williams and Wilson very well. That's for one. And I usually give the advantage to the coaching. Demeco Ryan's done a great job this year. And two, that beef in that interior offensive line for uh, for San Francisco, I think, will make it tougher on Tua, too. They'll be able to shut down one receiver, not both. And then the Niners, I think, will be able to use a lot of motion against some older corners for the Dolphins. So give me the Niners in this one, 27-21. I really want to go with Miami in this game, but I'm rooting against them because I'm a Jet fan, and I want Miami to lose. Buffalo won today, so that doesn't pull well. But, hey, Patriots lost, so this is good. And I, I know you guys picked Vegas, and the Chargers would yep. be great for the Jets too. Uh, so I hope those teams lose, even though I've picked them to win. But this is all about beating you guys. So I got San Francisco in this game as well. I, I think they're the home team that benefits them. Tyreek Hill and Waddle do scare me. Tua does scare me in an offense the way they play and like to run the ball the way they do. Uh, but, yeah, San Francisco is a high-flying defense. I think they'll be able to contain uh, the prolific offense of Tua and win the game. It will be close. 24-20. All right. There's another one that could be one of those games of the week types. The Chiefs at the Bengals. This game is ridiculous. Uh, Derek has the Chiefs in this one. This one, I actually am going to take the Bengals in this one. I, I have more trust the in Bengals their... Bengals need to win this game. I, I have a lot of trust in their defense, the way this, these matchups work. They have bigger corners against the Chiefs' smaller receivers. I think that'll help be able to press them physically. They they can stop the run, the Bengals. Not that the Chiefs run the ball well anyway, but they can rush the passer, too, and... and Offensively, they might get Jamar Chase back, too, who's owned, who owned the Chiefs in the two games last year. And even if he's limited, that's still a big weapon to have. I think Tyler Boyd is a nice game as well. And I think the Bengals, this is at home, they know how to play the Chiefs. They've been a kryptonite to them the last two games. So I'll take them in this one, 23-20. to 20. How could Sunday Night Football have Dallas and Indianapolis? They, they can had, only flex so many games. They, they, they need to flex that game. I, I, I can't believe they didn't. Who wants to watch Sunday Night Football? I mean, seriously. Dallas is going to kick the living you-know-what out of Indianapolis unless Dak Prescott loses a leg. Okay, that's ridiculous. Now you sound like Jeff. <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. Yeah, I know I know a lot of people I, I would think that the Bengals are going to win this game. They won last year when they played against one another in the regular season because of a field goal. I don't think it's going to be that close in this game. Um, Jamar Chase might be back this week. There's a good chance that he could be. He has been... He's been back and forth, uh, you know, on the field. Some people say he could be back. It doesn't matter. Kansas City wins this game. They're the better team. Uh, they're, to me, uh, the prolific offense. Patrick Mahomes is not going to be stopped. Hendrickson is not 100% healthy. All season he hasn't been 100% healthy. This pass rush hasn't been 100% healthy. And that, you know, really s sends me that uh, antenna burst in my head to tell me, that Kansas City will win this game. Kansas City wins the game. It will be close. 28-27. All right. And that aforementioned Sunday Night Football That's one game. point, boys and girls. One point. Uh, Colts, Cowboys. Derek has the Cowboys. Yeah, I have the Cowboys, too. The Colts defense has been good and better. Oh, God, a please. little better in recent weeks. But, yeah, there's too much. It's not even close. We shouldn't even be talking about it. There's too it. much firepower. and uh, We shouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> I don't know what accent you're going for for that. But, all right. Uh, yeah, Cowboys win this game 24-13. Yeah, I have the Cowboys. I think this is a complete blowout. Uh, this is a fun game. This is this is a smile on Jerry Jones's face with dealing with LeBron James's bullcrap. Really, I mean, going into this game, this puts a you know a little star on his uh, helmet. 
yeah, give me the Cowboys. This game is a blowout. Uh, 32 to 14. All right. And Monday Night Football, the Saints at the Buccaneers. Come on. We know the answer to this. No, I'm taking the Saints. I'm actually going with the You're upset. You're an idiot. I'm taking with the upset. They get Marshawn Lattimore back, which I think yeah, their defense, that dear defense is hurt. Well, it matters to shut down Mike Evans. And I think they'll it's not going to happen. I think they'll do a little better with Godwin in this game. And I don't like the Bucks defense. Uh, I got the Saints 16-13. Derek has the Bucks. I have the Bucks. I... There's no way Tom Brady loses two games in a row. He's lost, uh, you know, back-to-back games one time this year. I don't see it again. Um, this is the Buccaneers' game to win. Uh, I, their home team, I, I think they need to figure out what's going on with that offensive line. But all in all, I think Tom Brady is going to show up in this game. It will be close. The Saints aren't the same defense they are as they are at home. Uh, they're going to have problems with this offense because, uh, you know, they're still the Buccaneers, and it's still Tom Brady. Uh, he's thrown, what, two interceptions to 14 touchdowns? Uh, the guy doesn't throw interceptions, and that's where the Saints like to dominate. Uh, there won't be any interceptions in this game. Uh, the Buccaneers win this game 24-14. All right, and that will do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great show, by the mm-hmm. way. Really is. And I, I, I will say this. <coughs> And I'm going to say this because I'm a fair guy and I'm a sports fan. When you're a part of an organization and you're a star for that organization, being the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, or the NFL, or the NHL, whatever it is, or the UFC, okay? Big organizations, multi-billion dollar organizations. And you open your mouth and you say things that has nothing to do with what you're doing in your sport. I understand this is a platform that you can promote yourself and promote your beliefs, your cultures, your politics, your religion, whatever. Whatever you guys, whatever floats your boat. Your sexuality, okay? Whatever floats your boat. But when you as a player, is a leader for that team and that organization. And that organization is not playing well. Why are you speaking? Why do you talk? There is no reason why any athlete, any athlete, multi-millionaire, some multi-billionaires, should be speaking for any other player in the league should be speaking about anything they dislike off and on, you know, off the field, off the court, on what you, or off the ice that you, you, you represent, you know, when it comes to your, your sport. Nobody should be speaking about any of that, especially in the middle of the season. There's too much in stake for your organization, your team, and you're making millions and millions of dollars. And those owners are paying you a lot of money. Not because not for you to speak, for your brand, for what you could do on the court, on the field, on the ice. So I ask all these stars from respectable leagues, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, 
Tom Brady to the NBA, the Greek freak, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic, to the NHL, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Barzell, to the baseball world, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Juan Soto. Notice that I've named stars in respectable leagues. Okay? What I'm trying to say here for all you guys and all the people out there that is listening to us at 11.51 Eastern Time PM. Almost in the morning. To support one another. Support your league. Support your beliefs. But do not do it in the middle of a season. Do not make that story bigger than what's going on in the league, your team, and the organization as a whole. Because when you do that, and you open your mouth because you're trying to promote your product, your brand, your specific thoughts to the world, it hurts whatever is going on for the league and where the league is going that particular year. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm, I'm disgusted with what, what's going on in professional sports. We, we as analysts, we as fans, want to watch the sport to get away from everything that's going on in the world. From family life, to politics, to religion, to our taxes that are just completely stealing people's, you know, the politicians stealing from us. And when this and, and that go on in the world that just throw me off on where I am as, you know, I'm not a parent yet, but as an American, as a, you know, a free, free man in this world, and I could do whatever I want, and I could say whatever I want in a country that protects me. When you hear something like that, or all these different things from these athletes that are not helping anything by opening their mouths off the court or wherever the respectable sports are, it affects not only their teams and their organization, it affects the fans, the young kids that look up to them. And that is the truth. And that is what I'm selling to the fans. It bothers me. It hurts me. It's a disgrace when you hear players talk about things that they know nothing about. Watching films that they know nothing about. Speaking about religions they know nothing about. Politics that they think they know about, which they don't. It doesn't help me analyzing what is going on in the world away from those disgraceful thoughts. It only brings me in to talk about it and make myself look stupider after I talk about it. So that's all I'm going to say. That's my, my statement. I had a little bit of time to 
really bring it in and and really look at what the way I look at it as a, just as a fan. I don't think anybody should be promoting racism, anti-Semitic thoughts, hurting and attacking somebody's sexuality, taking and attacking females because they're getting the bigger and better jobs out there. We are equals in this country. No matter what we believe in or who we follow. And sports brings us together. That's facts. It brings me together. It brings all of us together. And I like to have fun with everybody. But when what bothers me more than anything is when I sit here and I, I speak about these athletes that I, I, I've come to respect. And I stick up for, personally. And then I hear what they're saying on and off the courts or uh, or believing what they believe on and off the courts. It is a disgrace. How could I look up to these guys anymore when they're taking shots at a religion or a bunch of people that did nothing to you? Or you say they did because they run the country or whatever the heck you believe in. Not everybody is bad. Now, when you listen to this show, some people probably think I'm an ass. And some people would say you're funny, outgoing, and ridiculous. And then just some people say, eh, you're all right. I respect all the criticism I get. You know why? Because that's what makes me me. I'm different than you. I'm different than Speedy. I'm different than LeBron James, Sean Payton, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. I am a different breed of person. Why I sit here today and I entertain everybody, win, listening or not listening, win or lose for what I'm saying, I'm doing it because I love it. I'm doing it. Because I want to entertain people. And I want people to see it the way I see it. And if they don't, good. I don't care. But just understand that this world is, is we're trying to bring people together. We're trying to bring everything together and work as one. And when you have so much, in, not just in sports, but what's going on in the world, and you have... Wars going on in Russia and 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 in in different countries and and self destructing from different country to different country because of power. We live in a country of freedom. We live in a country of thought. We live in a country of together togetherness. And we should be as one. That's all I'm going to say about that. I want to thank uh, Pete Bursick for joining us. He was fantastic. Obviously, Vikings, ex-Vikings linebacker and current Vikings radio show uh, network. I'm sorry, radio network analyst. Um, also, I'd like to thank NFL Network uh, newsroom ticker and operator and writer, 
Brendan Walker, he's fantastic. Um, fantastic show. Speedy it was. It was great. And I mean, you could cut out, you could cut out what I said, or you can listen to what and maybe Speedy can cut it out and put it and post it up on social media so they can hear my thoughts to it. That rant was 13 minutes of my feelings of what's going on in the world and how people are using sports to promote their own their own legacy, their own crap that means nothing to the game of football, basketball, hockey, mixed martial arts, anything that we follow. It's time for everybody to open up their eyes and see what really is in front of us. That's togetherness, love, emotion, and end the hatred in this world. That's how I feel. We'll be back on Tuesday. Yes, our show will be Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, it will be at 9 o'clock. Wednesday, it will be at 7 p.m. So definitely stay tuned. We really appreciate all the fans out there that tune in to us throughout the the week. We will be going to a a fun event on Saturday. I want to give a shout-out to the Franchella family uh, for inviting us. Uh, We're very excited uh, to go to Westchester and support everything that's going on uh, with their organization. Starlight uh, uh, Entertainment, all the stuff that they're doing over there, we're very excited. We'll be doing a live show over there, so if you want to come and meet us, uh, go to SUNY Purchase. Uh, There are tickets still available, um, so we're excited. Anyway, so listen to the Weekend Crunch. It will be on live uh, this week. Normal time, 7 o'clock this week. 7 o'clock. Happy to be here. Uh, Thank you to the fans, and uh, we'll be back next week. Good night. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.